Okay, I'm here with Golden Boy. Yeah. Golden Boy. Um, it's really cool to see, to, to be able to get this opportunity to talk to you because obviously um, you don't actually do a huge amount of CS stuff, which is something that seems to be maybe changing, or how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I've always, I haven't done CS because I've been, like, petrified of doing CS. Like, Counter-Strike is such a huge game, as such a rich community, such a great audience. Um, and I always just was, like, really, really afraid of doing Counter-Strike because of that. And, uh... I mean, yeah, what I wanted to change, I mean, for sure. But, you know, there's so many great desk hosts in Counter-Strike already. Like, you know, you got the likes of Machine, who's just phenomenal. Moses, when he decides to do it right. Guys like, although Richard hasn't done it uh, in, in a hot minute. Or Stunna, he, I think he started doing it at DreamHack. So, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be like... I didn't want to do a Counter-Strike event unless I felt, like, really confident. And luckily, like, I feel really confident with E-League. So... I felt like I could I could do a CS event with them, kind of get that one under my belt, see how I feel about it. Because I've been I've been watching the game for years. Like it is, in my mind, I, I view Counter Strike as like the football or soccer of esports. It's like the beautiful game. Everyone plays it. Everyone knows it. Everyone respects it. Uh, so when you go into it, it's like a really really big thing. And I just want to make sure I did it right. I have to say, I I, I did a faux pas, and I quick I did not set the scene. I didn't uh -huh. set the scene, so I'm gonna just rewind this a little bit. And we're gonna come back to that. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna set the scene. We're <laughs> we're in the uh, the the bar here, the Margot, the Four Seasons in Atlanta. Four uh, Seasons doing the illegal Invitational. They treat us very well. They really do. They treat us very well. Spoil us. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a great change. Um, it's it's refreshing. I just came from the Overpower Masters just last weekend. <laughs> this is a great change of scenery for me. <laughs> so we have our dreams coming. So. I think uh, I think that might be your one on the yeah, way. Yeah, I think I, I, right I got here. a. Uh, yes. All right. And yours will be up shortly. Um, I just brought the jalapeno from the kitchen, so she's gonna make it. Right now. Thank you very much. What did you get, Dan? I I so so I maybe should I spoil it? I'll spoil it. So I don't. <laughs> I got a skinny spicy margarita. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love. <laughs> I actually love Bloody Marys, and as I was as I was coming down, I was like, well, we're going to a bar. I, I should get a drink, you know? Yeah. And then I thought, ah, but a Corona, I don't know if I want to do it. That's my go-to is a Corona. And I don't really do cocktails all that much. And then I said, ah, treat yourself, Alex. Yeah, there we so go. So I'm going to get the Bloody Mary. Yes. Well, you know, um, so, so of course, you know, you, you, you've done a Titan Games thing. That's just massive. That's yeah. a really awesome accomplishment. And... Everybody in the esports world just just you know saw that you know when when that sort of news hit hit social media and everyone saw that you were doing that. I think everyone's collectively like, yes, this is this is like a win. It's a huge win for, for the gaming community as as well as it is, is a win for you. And everyone's like supporting you massively for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know something that uh, you know that Dwayne Johnson seems to like is tequila. Did you mind? <laughs> I did not. I did not. So we you know when we were on set uh, for the show, it was crazy. Like. Yeah, we were like yeah. back and forth doing all these different things. Uh, we never really had like an opportunity to to chill out, and um, so like Dwayne Johnson would come in, he would have his moment, right? They introduce him, then it's like, all right, great, we're done here. Now let's go to the booth, and then he'll do his throw. He'll send it to us. Then we call the game. We call the game. At that point, Dwayne Johnson's already preparing for the next segment, and then when we're done with the game. He, he'll do his bit and then we're off and then we're so like there was as much as like he wanted to or we wanted to or you know I mean I'm assuming but he, he's, he's such a genuine guy 
Uh, but we did get a chance to like meet and talk and, and all that stuff. And yeah, he took an interest in esports. He, he had mentioned it to me. He was like, oh yeah, no, I see you do video game events. That's like a huge market. I was like, yeah, no, it's massive, really, really big, growing daily. Um, so that was cool. And and he ultimately, they I was informed by Arthur Smith, uh, the guy who owns A. Smith Productions and company that produces the event or produces Titan Games, excuse me, that, you know, he had to approve everyone because it was his show. And to know that, like, I got an approval from Dwayne Johnson, who I consider to be one of the best performers, um, like, ever, especially as a professional wrestling fan. Yes, I was going to mention that. A huge pro wrestling fan. Uh, to this day, guys like Dwayne Johnson are the benchmark of which all pro wrestlers are kind of measured on. And, uh, you know, to be kind of, to just get that approval from him was huge. It was, like, a big validation for me. Um, but one thing you had mentioned that I thought was interesting was like, you know, for esports is collective whole. Everyone was like really excited and rooting for it and, and happy. And I think you, you're right. Like, I, I think it, it kind of showed that we have that capability of being able to do this thing that only at the time was exclusively available to broadcast journalists and people who were from the TV world. NBC were very, very specific and they were like, we don't want just another sports guy well the, what they said was old white guy but they don't want another <laughs> sports guy doing it i think you know that was more of a joke rather than it was like more it, it, it was definitely a joke it, but they made a lot of sense right like it doesn't matter what it is like an old sports dude like doing this thing like they didn't want that and uh they wanted to trend younger and they found you know me and although i'm not a spring chicken i think uh Oh, there it is. Skinny with the jalapeno Skinny, and everything. spicy mug has arrived. Skinny, spicy yes. mug. It's here, folks. Uh, and it's as beautiful as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, succulent looking, dare might I say. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, um, to you know, wrap that one up, yeah, that, that they just wanted something fresh. And, uh, and I think, you know, I gave it to them. Uh, I brought my energy and I think it worked out well. No, it's amazing. You did a fantastic job. And it's... it's it sets a precedent, you know, moving forward, as you, as you were saying, like it, it, it not only does it set the precedent that, okay, you know, this is the kind of stuff that the talent that we have in esports world is capable of mm -hmm. uh, nailing. Um, it is something that that's, is very welcome, I think. Everyone was blown away yeah. by the, I don't want to give myself any credit, but they were blown away when they would, at, when they would ask me, where did you train? Like, where did you, like my co-commentator, Liam, uh, who... Mind you, I'm not trying to knock on uh, broadcast sports, broadcast talent. They're phenomenal. Liam McHugh, uh, my co-commentator on the show, is hands down one of the best commentators I've ever worked with in my life. Uh, I've worked with some quality people across the industry. No one matches Liam McHugh. And I, and I sometimes I even feel like I'm amateur hour next to him. I, just yeah, delivery, yeah. cadence, memorization, timing, everything. He was the whole freaking deal, right? Um, but then he would tell me, Liam would tell me, oh, thank you. Wow, thank you very much. Nice. Uh, we just got ourselves a, a delicious morsel. Did I hit beer cheese? Beer cheese. I'm going to give it a try. It says beer cheese. <laughs> DDK Talks Esports, sponsored by... Sponsored by dear beer, beer cheese. cheese. Yes. <laughs> delicious. I can tell all your listeners it's delicious. <laughs> Um. So yeah, he 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 had such a, a cadence to him that I learned so much from him, and really just blown away by how like this guy who does like NHL on-site reporting for the NFL for for NBC 
is just so damn good. And I took everything I could away from him. And then even he would come up to me and be like, I could never do what you do. When he told that to me, I was like, okay, cool. I am I am justified in being here. He'd be like, you, you have energy that like I just have never heard before. And then I just showed him esports clips of casters. I actually showed him Boston Major, your guys. Oh, uh, nice. stuff. And he was like, wait, what? You guys sold out the TD Bankery? And I was like, yep. And he was like, we sold out Barclays. We, this is what video games are capable of. And, and he, he, was, he was blown away by it. That's amazing. Is, is, there, if, is there any, like, if you could just say one, one quality that is, was a takeaway from, from him, to, you know, for you as, as a commentator yourself, like something that you think is really impressive or you're like, I need to work on this or I'm inspired oh. by this quality? Oh, that Gotta delivery. pick one. Delivery. delivery? Yeah. yeah. Um, Liam had such a way with words. I never felt like he was... I never felt like he was he, he like I was at a loss for a word. Basically. Right, 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 right. Uh, if he needed like to mix it up, throw in a new word, kind of bring in some 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 different angles, uh, you know, he would he would do it so well. And as I was working with him more and more, I just realized like this guy just doesn't repeat anything. That he doesn't repeat a single word. It's almost as if like he is stored it away in a in a in a, in a bank. He has like X amount of words and then he'll like rotate them out. And he probably is repeating some phrases, but because he has such a, a great grasp of the English language that he was just rotating or like cycling out these phrases over and over again. And it was working. It was working. Like, dude was money. It's incredible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking of just like going into that experience, what did you have? Like, how did you. Because the time games is, you know, it's a bunch of different, you know, physical challenges that the mm -hmm. athletes have to go through. So, as far as like a challenge from a commentary perspective, coming from video games, where it's it's like a sport, you know, it's a sport. Everything is set, you know, understand what's going to happen. Obviously, that's all new. All that stuff's very, very new from from game to game. Very new. So, how did you, did you get to practice that? How did they, you know, allow you to get your best performance with that? Um, so there was no prep. Per okay. Se. Because all the games are brand new, right? No one had ever seen these things before. Do they work? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, there were some times where we had, like, these games and production company would come in and we're like, we're cutting it because we, it's just not going to work. Um, so as far as, like, prepping it, what was really awesome is that uh, A. Smith Productions or A. Smith Co., they gave us like these and these are this just so you know this is the same crew that does american ninja warrior so they are very very good at this kind of thing and uh what they did was they would provide us these one sheets with like the competitors where they're from their strength like like what they measured high on like things like that so we had these one sheets and then we also had descriptions of what these games were. So it was like oh. hammering ram. Take a hammer and you're swinging it using your upper body strength and swinging motions. And then, so it would like explain what the game was, but we didn't see it. So visually, we, we had no idea, but we just had to read through this and like memorize it. And then there were, there were some like videos that they provided of like tests that they did of the games. Um, and so that would give us like an idea, but... They were like shot on a cell phone. They didn't really have like a clear, um, a clear example of like 
what they were doing when they were done with the task. Like Hammering Ram, for example, we didn't know like when they were breaking the door down that they would have to run and grab the victory chain. Right, right? okay, yeah, yeah. So that was like thrown in there at the end. The whole thing was that the door would break and then the person would go to the center and raise their hands and like they win. But I guess like they then determined we need like a thing that like signifies that this is over. So that's why they implemented the victory chain. So you grab the chain and then you're done, right? Um, but that wasn't like visible before. So our first call of a hammering ram like was really just caught us off guard. Um, but what was cool though, was that we, we did each game uh, in a row. So it, it, as you watch the episodes, just know that if we had uh, like a game done, we did five or six of that game in a row. So we never like, we didn't film the, the shows episodically. We filmed it modularly so that it was like five hammering rams, two power vaults, three Herculean pulls, three this, three, and that's how we filmed the show. And we were just swapping wardrobe out each episode. Right, so right. So we had to, and, and that became infinitely harder because then like we also had to treat each game as its own thing as, as it sat on an island which was a lot more challenging to commentate because we didn't know when this game was going to be aired and and even until like the end when we did the uh when we aired the first episode like they showed herculean pole with james gene lewis we shot that second that was the second Herculean pull, or sorry, hammering ram game that we did, but yet it was the first aired. I see. Okay. So as a as a commentator, you, you know we reference things all the time. We yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. do that at all because we had no idea when they were going to be aired. So the only thing that we that we were able to reference was when we got to either the Mount Olympus runs, which didn't really matter because the Mount Olympus runs are so different. We, it, only thing I can say is like we know this person's strong. That's it. That really doesn't provide much detail. Um, and uh, and then when we would get into the Battle of the Titans, that's when we were able to reference older challenges and stuff like that. And that's going to be coming later in the season. Uh, so that was the only time that we could like actually talk about stuff, which became very challenging. So a lot of new skills that I had to develop doing this show because it, it wasn't like anything else I'd ever done before. That's, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, like figuring out all these challenges. I think it can be very easy sometimes to get I mean, that's the thing with esports. I, one of the reasons why I love Counter-Strike is that it has so much diversity. And one of the reasons why I love commentary and video, video games is, it, is by jumping to diff various different games, you have all these different challenges, but it can get mm -hmm. kind of kind of samey. So I, lo I love that sort of element of, you know, dynamism, getting, you know, keep, you know, being kept on your toes and yeah. so on. And, and uh, I mean, it seemed like it went very well. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going pretty well right now. I think everyone's really happy with the show. Um, fans seem to really dig it. And you know, I mean, it has Dwayne Johnson. The oh dude yeah. Just he just craps success. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and, and this show is no different. It was NBC's first um, Thursday win in two years. Six point five million wow. people watched the first episode alone, and who knows, like how many more have followed from there. Uh, so yeah, the, the show, the show is it's it's crazy, and you know, I'm hoping hoping we get to do a season two. It'd be sick. Yeah, and and like. This is obviously, you know, when it comes to talent in esports, you know, you, you, know, you maybe you break across a different game or two or three sometimes, and, yeah. and then then you know, 
it's harder to be a commentator because you're not as, as much of a specialist um, because you're having to split your time. But breaking into, into just game shows and television in this way, that's, 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 a, that's a big change. So do you anticipate, uh, does this open the door for you with regards to other opportunities in that realm, do you think? I don't think so. Or is it just something where it's like, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I, you know, my, my like management team, CSA, who you know very well, um, they they feel like it will open doors. I talk to Kurt all the time, my buddy, and he's also my manager. And he's like, this is going to be big. And I'm like, I'm not doubting that it's going to be big. Yeah, I mean, it has been big, right? Um, and a lot of people do recognize it. Uh is it going to suddenly get me a show about video games on TV? Probably not. I don't think so. But then again, if you would have told me <laughs> that, you know, last year, at the start of 2018, that at the end of the year, I'd be uh, one of the commentators on a primetime American TV show, I'd be like, nah, you're lying. That ain't true. That, that's definitely that's not happening. You'll get to work Johnson later this year. <laughs> yeah, like, what kind of sick joke are you playing, man? <laughs> yeah, right. But, hey, Amazing. I mean, stranger things have happened. So I, 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 tend, I tend not to – I mean, I think the sky is falling all the time, which I think is, like, a, a worse it, like trait of mine and probably speaks to, like, maybe some mental health issues. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you've just been around in eSports for too long. Yeah, that too. I mean, when did, too. When, like, when did you start? Yeah, like, I mean, I started... Playing for how many years? Yeah, like, I mean, as a commentator, I've been doing it since 2010. As a player, I've been doing it since, like, 20... No, 2000, like six seven you know so it's like okay so, so it's four years between 2006 and 2010 which i think a lot of the skepticism can be sourced from yeah because so, yeah. i'm with you there as well because you know, we've, we've i see some stuff because you know don't you ever just feel like you have literally hit your cat doesn't doesn't it feel like that sometimes yeah. and that's that's how it feels for me like when i came into this year i was paranoid and everyone's like dude you have a show on tv like why are you paranoid and i'm like I'm paranoid for that reason entirely because what if someone it just decides like, oh, maybe he's just too big for us now or, oh, what if he he's not available or, oh, we can't pay his rates anymore. Like I had um, had a Halo event at the beginning of the year that I had UGC St. Louis, right? And I had messaged the UGC guys and was like, when they announced the event for Halo 3, I was like, I got to be there. I love Halo. I need to be there. And immediately like the response was yeah but you know we can't cover your rate and i'm like i don't care i just want to be here and commentate halo because i love halo so my fear is like this perception of like yes, yes. you're too successful so we can't afford you or like even then you know they would come up to me and people would be like oh you know we know that this isn't like the kind of production that you're used to working it's like i don't care man like i, I i'm i come from a time where like you know, I was freaking setting up Xboxes in the middle of like a, a convention hall in, in Philadelphia with UMG, like trying to just get an event going that launches in like three hours and it's like freaking six in the morning. You know, like I, I, that that's what I was doing, right? Like sitting there and, 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 and approving graphics for a broadcast or figuring out like whether or not we can get two shots on this analyst desk because we don't have enough cameras or going out to a Best Buy and buying a camera. Like I, I've done all this crap. And, and, and for me, I don't, I never view myself as like too big for any of this. And, and that's my fear that people are going to start having that perception. And I, I simply just never want that because like I'm in this cause I genuinely love it. Not because I'm trying to make a buck. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's why a lot of us are in this because we just wanted, we love it, right? We'd rather do this, nothing else. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you completely. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of weird how that happens, and it's, it's weird how there's, it's almost like people just don't like to negotiate sometimes, or they don't understand the idea of, of a negotiation. Like if, if one of those events turns turns to you and says, uh, you know, okay, this, you know, this is, this is the most I can do. Well, then you get to make that decision. You know, it's like yeah. uh, that's why that's that's what I really don't like when people take the decision out of your hands by presupposing some information which they which they that they don't have. So that's yeah, that's I a hate shame. That. I hate it. We have a big problem in esports um, with one with like these talent managers that a lot of them are like not really like trying to work with you. It always feels like in esports. There's this like thing that like talent is the enemy and they're trying to like get a one up over talent. Like and I feel like that happens a lot. Not not with everyone, but it happens like in a lot of the spaces that I've worked or people that I've talked to, conversations that I've had and and, and it's like it's almost as if like they hate it when you have other options. And that's a big, big issue, right? I think that this industry is so small still. Um that even even saying no, like when I say no to a gig, I fear that like they're never gonna call me again. Like yep. you know, E League yep. has reached out to me in the past to do like Counter Strike, to do the last Rocket League event, right? And I, I unfortunately couldn't do it because of scheduling. And I know that like the E League crew, they're, they're 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 gonna shoot me a call, right? Regardless, because like there's that like mutual respect, and and they understand if I'm not available or whatever. Like that doesn't like completely shut me out. But there have been other times or other companies that like you say no and then they'll never call you again because they're they're like, oh, you're too good for us or or oh, we couldn't get you for the rate that we wanted to get you for or, or we wanted to pay you five hundred dollars, uh, you know, for three days of work. And it's like, that's not very right. You know, like there, there's there's a huge issue right now in esports. And there's like this perception that like it's all like roses and sunshine and stuff and that is certainly just not the case so working in that hollywood environment and then seeing this and it's like if i could just try and bring like some kind of like trait from the hollywood world it's like you know just treat everyone like the way you would want to be treated but also like try and work with people because just because someone says no doesn't mean that the door should be closed right away and i can't tell you the amount of talent that i've talked to where like they just feel forced to say yes, even though they can't, and it's really, really bad. And and like you know, maybe I'm diving too much in the weeds on on this subject, but it really is like a huge issue. There's there's definitely a lot of room for for growth and general improvement. I think when it comes to to, to all of this, I think I'm, I'm hoping you know that we're we're going to be turning a corner pretty soon because. Things have been changing over time. You know, things have gotten a lot better. Uh, you know, based yeah. on how they used to be. So, the fact that we even have agencies now—that's like a—that's a, that's like a step in the right direction. Of course, Dude, back in the day, companies didn't even want to work with an agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't want to be that guy. But the reason why I have an agency is because I don't want to have to deal with those negotiations. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to deal with that. That's not good. You know, yep, you don't want to be talking money with the people hiring you. I mean, you just don't, just don't want to do that. I just want to show up, do the job, everyone be yeah. happy, and then we go on. And then, you know, then I let my agents kind of just come in and, and, and be the, the workhorses that they are and like talk to them and stuff. But, you know, you should want that. It wasn't until I started working with EA that they 
in, in EA, they get a lot of crap for like a lot of things as a, as a publisher and as a game dev studio, but as a talent, when I worked with EA, it was always just such a great experience. And I will never forget when I started working with CSA and I told my friends at EA, who had I always worked with directly, hey, I'm working with this agency now, um, you know, from now on, if you want a book, like just, you know, go through them. And they were like, awesome. We, we actually, like, only because we knew you, but we'd much rather deal with an agency. And them saying that to me was great because it right, gave me yeah. that comfort of like, all right, cool. They understand why I'm going to an agency so we can, we can make this, like, happen. Whereas, like, I would work with other companies that were just like, you're you, you have an agency now? Oh, no, we don't want to deal with that. <laughs> it doesn't really... I don't know. It just, it just doesn't really make any sense, does it? This, this seems to be the case, though. Like, like there, there are some individuals that that, I, that I've you know worked with in the past or, or known in esports who also have the same same uh, mind. It's like uh, we, we don't want to work with agents. And it's like, I, and I just I just can't quite wrap my head around it. And there's this there's just so many there's so many issues that I, th I was having a, a conversation with uh, the talent manager uh, at Tana Sports earlier today, and, and just. And I was saying, we're talking about all these issues and, and how, you know, it'd be better to have more sort of governing bodies, you know, in, in some cases, just a cl like clearer guidelines behind stuff as mm -hmm. opposed to just mm -hmm. a, a crazy open frenzy where it's sort of everyone's doing their own thing. And there's, it's hard to know what's going on. Everyone has mixed ideas as to what the standard even might look like. And yeah, that yeah, just yeah. creates these inefficiencies and problems. And I, and I, was saying, I was saying to him that one thing that every time I have a discussion like this, I, I think to myself, of course, we want it now. We always want it now. Yeah. But it is like Counter-Strike Global Offensive has only been out for like, what, six years. Uh, Twitch as, as, a, as a streaming service, which obviously then exploded and created the infrastructure of what esports is built on right now. And the reason why any of us, any of us can have, have work doing it, that was 2010, really, right, with StarCraft 2. So it's actually very young still. And oh, I God, have to yeah. keep reminding myself of this when I, I think about these topics because it is very... It's very, it's very tough at times and very demoralizing. So, so it, it, it's, it's weird. And, and I, do, I do agree with you. Uh, there need to be like standardization because in its current state right now, right? Like, you know, and, and I'm going to throw out hypothetical numbers so that listeners, this isn't like indicative of any of our rates or anything like that. But in its current state, if let's say company A reaches out to me and says, hey, we want you to commentate this event coming up. And I'd be like, great. They'll say, what's your rate? And I'll say, okay, my rate is, let's say for the sake of conversation here, $1,000 a day. That is my rate for the, uh, for the weekend, okay? And then of that $1,000, right, obviously they're covering flight, they're covering um, uh, hotel, and they'll be covering, you know, expenses, ideally, right? Some companies don't even want to cover expenses, so they'll just give you a per diem. They'll give you like a, let's say in the instance of a day, they'll give you a $50 per diem per day. Cool. So my rate is $1,000 a day plus $150 per diem for the entire weekend, so it comes out to $3,150 is my rate for that weekend, right? Then, and that's also like, let's account like, you know, when I said flight and hotel, that costs money. Sometimes they have blocks, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have agencies that provide cheaper travel, whatever, right? So that's not a number you can really factor in for the talent side, but as a TO, obviously it's something you gotta cover. A lot of these TOs though kind of screw themselves because they'll reach out to us like, 
a week before the event starts and book flights. And it's like, well, you just made this way more expensive right, on yourself yeah. rather than actually <laughs> being prepared, which is a so, whole other issue in esports because these a lot of these TOs just aren't prepared. They're like booking flights. Like I just got a gig right now where my flight international was just booked and and I leave next week. It's like I'm leaving international and you just booked a flight. Like that could not have been cheap, right? So you just you hurt yourself if you without booking early. So preparation's a huge issue in esports. But that's a different topic for another day. <laughs> now, what ends up happening is like that rate, let's say this person works one event, that's three thousand dollars. Thirty-one fifty, right? That they are getting. Let's say they work that one event a month, maybe two events a month, right? But let's say for the sake of conversation, that's one event. If let's say that is their rate and they work one event a month, ideally, I mean, you're not talking about a lot of money per year, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that there are some people who maybe work retail or work in a different area that are like, man, I'd love to get three thousand dollars to talk about video games for, you know? And it's like, yeah, sure. But then what ends up happening is that because we don't have any standardization and because there's no like value, then you'll get another guy who gets hit up. And these TOs, they're not always reaching out to just solely you. They're talking to other people. And then they'll get another TO and let's say, or another uh, commentator. And then this commentator is like, well, well, I don't really want to get this job. So I'll just charge him $500 a day, no per diem. Um, and, uh, you know, they could, they could cover my flight, but it doesn't really matter. It could just be any kind of flight and hotel room, uh, you know, they could book me like a motel six or whatever, right? Like a cheap ass room. You just got undercut by 50% and the quality of work may not be as good from that other guy, but you just got cut and you have no idea why. And then what ends up happening is that the TO would then be like, Okay, cool. We're just going to go with this guy. Provide no context to the other person that they were just talking to who has now put this in and said like, okay, this is a potential gig. No contract sign, but we're talking great. We're talking this, blah, 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 blah. They just lost that gig to a guy who's, uh, who's doing the same amount of work for way less, right? And just brought the value of that job down. And now this TO is going to be like, well, if this guy's taking the gig for 500, everyone else should be taking the gig for that same price because that's where how we're measuring the quality of work because obviously the to is going to try and cut as much corners as they possibly can financially so that this way they can like cover the cost for for the talent and that like really sucks because and it, i'm going to say like to be frank like i'm very grateful that that hasn't happened to me but i know other casters that that has happened to and you hear these stories and it's like dude that sucks because you're trying to value yourself. And this may be the only gig that you work this month. And it's why whenever someone asks me, like, you know, I want to take commentary and make it into a full-time job, I'm just like, slow your row. Because here's the deal. It's not there yet. There's no standardization. There's no protection. Anyone can just come yeah. in and undercut you. And I'm not saying there needs to be, like, a broadcaster's union, which would be cool if there was one to kind of just create standardization across the boards across the games depending on like scale and viewership but again it, it's like all like it's all just really really ambiguous and who do you trust with that right does that person not have self-interest like there's 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 no real way to do this right and i think we live in an age where there's so much like shady work being done behind the scenes that i i don't think it's ever going to happen or at least it's not going to happen in my in my time as a commentator and, and that's that's like one of the interesting things as well because like I, I I don't think that that guy who's let's say undercutting somebody else is to blame either. Like that guy's like 
you know, he's going after his own interests. He wants the exposure. He wants to like, yeah, get into the circuit. He's not and so we're doing just, anything wrong. He's looking yeah. out for himself. You can't blame a guy for that, right? Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's, that's kind of... We're, we're like in that interim phase, aren't we? Because a lot of the, 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 the TOs, as you say, who are doing a lot of the, the maybe... They're not doing those, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollar prize purse events, not like these really big, big ones. But, but you know, that they are producing consistent work for people because of the way the content is consumed, um, because it's, it is more casual, because the overall standard is is lower. It's not televised, and we don't have those standards. It, it doesn't matter as much if that guy is not as good as the other guy. Like it doesn't, like that, that doesn't matter quite as much. And I think that's actually something that, uh, for me in the past, I, I've, I've thought, felt like, you know. Like how much does it matter that that I'm that, my, that objectively I might be better than this guy? Like you know, in some cases it just doesn't matter. And that, yeah. that's that's kind of like what I think speaking to what you're you're talking about, which is kind of a scary thing. And <laughs> going back to the kind of doom and gloom, um, which I, I feel I feel this like you know either I get up and I and I you know I think to myself esports is growing massively, big future here. Uh, my first three years as a commentator, I was consistently like every every few months having feelings of is this worth it I feel like I might need to quit this I really need to reassess my options and that happened many many times and then you know come 2016 you got Turner Sports uh, you know doing something reaching out to get commentators and stuff and I'm like oh this is going on television now okay yeah. I didn't predict that I didn't think that there was that path available and Very so then true. so over time you know I'm starting to feel like there is more stability and I, and I have reasons to be more positive but also at the same time I've seen all these crashes. I've seen all these scams. I've, I mean, we, we have uh, currently at this point, I think everybody's worried about money because a lot of tournament organizers struggling to make money from their events. A lot of team yeah. owners, their, 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 that value is, is massively inflated. And oh. What's that? What? Oh, you can't? Oh. Let me pause this. So we've been evicted from the bar, as you may tell, because <laughs> there's no uh, background noise, which apparently we're not allowed to record in there. So, so they try to move approval, us. Dan. Yeah, I need approval. Some some guys with uh, what was it? Some 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 guys in like suits came over. Yeah, and, yeah, like some security guy, I guess, like saw us and flagged us down, and then um, the <laughs> like the manager or someone came in to inform us we couldn't record. To which point. She then found you a suitable location for you to record, but that was not good for it whatever allowed. reason. It wasn't, it wasn't allowed. It was not allowed, yep. even though she said he, you could do it. Seems like the security guard just wanted us out of there. Yeah, Charles yep. Barkley was coming in for a, <laughs> for a nightcap. Who knows? It's, it's, it's hard to know. I, and I have to say, like we, we, we were trying to work out like what exactly what we were we talking about. Obviously... If, when I when I come to cut this and edit it, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna well, be it's gonna be interesting. We were, but we were talking about like just how in esports in general, it is very like just ambiguous, right? Like you get you get a gig, a job or a gig, you get X amount of money. And I always feel really weird talking about this because one of the things that I actually was going to, I remember I was going to transition transition into was that. It I I never ever talk about the business of esports uh, unless it's with other people from the space because only like they will understand it. Um, not for some like elitist sense, but it's always like the same kind of answer. Because if let's say I'm talking to people 
like I'm streaming and, you know, a, a person asks me a question and I respond, you know, like in the same manner. Oftentimes it would it would seem like I'm ungrateful about this amazing job that I have. It's almost yes, like and, yes. and that is like the biggest that, that one that one bothers me so much because I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I have here. I love every minute of it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But, you know, like I'm, I'm we're all allowed to like complain about crap. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. like if something isn't like where you would like it to be, you are allowed to, to like not be happy about it. Um, the one that kills me all the time, too, is whenever I, I go somewhere and then a person's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so jealous. You get to see all these amazing countries or these amazing places. I was like, yes, sometimes. Yes. I My wife comes with me and I go and I see these places and it's awesome and I love it. But most time it's like airport or it's my home airport fly which sucks because i hate flying land hotel <laughs> sleep venue rehearsal hotel maybe we go get food in the hotel or whatever we would go and then the rinse repeat rinse repeat and then i'm back home so it doesn't matter like where i go typically like that's that's the result that that's what ends up happening and i i'm not like I was in St. Louis, right, just the other day. I didn't go to see the Arch or anything like that. Like I didn't, I didn't go sightseeing in St. Louis. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to Mexico next week. I'm, I'm not going to see anything. In fact, my wife is coming to Mexico, but because I have to be back home by by Tuesday to, for some work in the city, we can't like stay any longer in sightsee. So I can't sightsee. So I'm literally just going to Mexico to do an event and then come home. It, it, I don't know. It really sucks in, in that aspect. Just a different basement somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, you're just going to different places and, and looking at screens. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that's all it really is. I, I do I do resonate a little bit with your point though about just sort of the perception about like when talking about stuff like this because I think I think for me as well like sometimes like I struggle to I to, like this too. I, I struggle to kind of like maybe value myself enough and sort of because because we've been. Like, you know, if we ask for a rate, for example, like that, like one of the reasons I don't like talking about money is because it can, it can feel weird because I feel like people can, can, there's like a lot, lots of judgments that can suddenly fly around, Oh yeah, of if, course. especially if, it, if it's with people that aren't in the space. And, and I feel like, as you said, like maybe, maybe you, you can come across as ungrateful or maybe you can come across as, as someone that's just trying to take things too far or, or, or whatever it might be. And I, I just, I just get uncomfortable with that because it's, uh, it's pretty, like, you know, we spend a lot of time doing this. Like, you know, you, it's, it's opportunity cost. Like, you, you decide to do this thing in video games. Like, we, mm-hmm, like, we mm-hmm. all got into it. Like, we all got into it at the beginning when there was no promise of any of this. Yeah. There's no promise of any of this. But once it starts, starts, you know, things start happening, you're like, wow, I can actually continue doing this. That's amazing. That's great. I'm loving it. This is my passion. I'm going to keep driving forwards. And then things start to get, you know, deeper and deeper. And, and you haven't quit at this point. So it means that you've only spent more time investing in, in this passion and, and the skills, developing the skills specifically for that thing. And of that's course. what, like going back to our previous discussion, what made me really insecure is, is I was thinking like, how transferable are these skills that I have? Because until I know that, it gets me to at least television, which is an established standard where work will always be. I, I yeah. can't I can't necessarily trust it. Now I remember what we were talking about <laughs> at the break. Now I remember. I was I think we were talking about the fact that no one's making money and that we have bubbles all over the place. Yes. I think that's and, and it, you know, circling it back to the Doom and Gloom discussion. A while. It took us a while, but we got there, baby. We got there. <laughs> and that is something that's very scary, is is that that aspect of 
what what if what if you know you have this situation where Overwatch League doesn't do do as well as as uh, as they project or that as they would hope, and and the investors suddenly think, oh, you know, well, well, screw it, we we get burned, we don't want to put on, put our money here. That's I mean, at that level of investment, like that that level of non endemics as, as well, like that's something yeah. you know that's something that we've not really been able to touch all too three frequently as a non endemic uh, sponsors. And so, so if if those people get burns and all these and like let's say all the the, the teams, uh, you know, the, the the valuation of most teams is is something that's ridiculous if you look at yeah. their, their actual revenues. And if you if you looked at any startup, uh, you know, you would you would look at a startup and you'd be like, oh well, that's just fake growth. That's that's, that's what it does definitively what it is fake growth you have very limited revenues an enormous enormous mm-hmm, investment mm-hmm. you know valuating the company as, as something very very vast so what happens you know what happens in the future you, you feel like it's hard to find a positive spin on that yeah. so there are of course esports the, the beautiful thing about it is that we know that it is a medium that is just magical it's, it's a magical medium it brings people together it is it's so incredibly entertaining. It's limitless because the, the limitation is our imagination. As far as the, the technology that we have, yeah. we can pretty much make anything, any kind of world to, to live in. And that's like it's it's a beautiful thing um, for, for you know for what it is. And of course, it will be nightmare. successful. But it's it, also a nightmare. There, there it's problems, beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful nightmare because, <laughs> like, yes, there there is a limitless potential when it comes to esports and what it can do, but. There's also a lot of other people outside of that who are looking and saying, great, all these people that believe in pixel dust and fairies, I need a profit off of them. And then when they don't get their profit, then they're gone. And that's that's really like a tough pill for, I think, a lot of fans to swallow. But and, and, and it's not to say that, like, maybe they do care. Maybe they are invested. I mean, who am I to judge? But it's a justifiable thing, and that's why I I, I don't I, I don't get mad, but I, I do sometimes. I kind of scratch my head at like some of the things that like when I see like you know viewers and whatnot on on social media. Like we were having this conversation, you know, when we were coming back from the studio, and like Twitch is an incredible platform, YouTube's an incredible platform. All this content is for free. All of it there is made available to you right away. The second MLG tried with StarCraft too to try and do a pay-per-view type system so that they can like make some money off of this. People lost their collective minds. And you know, maybe one can argue that it was not ready at that time back in the day, and that is a justifiable thing. But the reality is that like where's the where's the money? You know, where is the money? And 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 like how how is like how is this constantly being just justified, you know, month in and month out for a lot of these companies. So they're trying to find ways to make money. They're turning to the big guys with the big bucks who are looking at this. They're seeing these incredible numbers. They're seeing all this other stuff. And 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 this is, I guess, where I, as us as talent, it it makes me laugh because we have we are essentially the faces of this thing, right? Like we're like anything that I do, I am. Putting my seal of approval, my face, my my brand, everything on the this event, and if it goes sour, 
that reflects, I think it reflects poorly on me, you know, and because of that, I, I have a vested interest in wanting esports to succeed. But whenever someone like a, a new company comes in and they're asking me the question, how do I make money off of this as a, as a person with a vested interest in the growth and success of esports as a fan and as someone who works within the industry, I have to answer that question honestly and say, like, I have no freaking clue. Maybe it's merchandise. Maybe it's, uh, you know, like like app development. Maybe, like, I don't I don't know. But, dude, there's so many people that have just tried to come in and do these things like they want to create uh, class systems for esports and teach people how to do things. And it's like, that doesn't work because YouTube exists. Uh, then it's like, well, we can also do coaching lessons. And it's like, uh, well, you know, that doesn't work because you got to get like, like legitimate people to do it. And some of them probably just don't want to do crap like that. Then it's like, okay, well, it's definitely in content. We have to make content around the players and okay, cool. Uh, works for some people, uh, doesn't work for most people because, yeah, I mean, how many people in CS are out there making videos on a regular basis that are competing? Like, probably none. Or not none, but not not a lot. Um, maybe they're streaming, but yeah, you know, like not as much, not frequent. So that's not a source of revenue. So really, like, there, there, unless like someone thinks outside of the box, there's no like real way to like try and like monetize off of this thing. And, and then to top it off, right, you also have people that are, and to kind of bring it back to us as talent, once again, like, you know, we are trying to figure out how we can make a sustainable living off of this because the amount of time that we have to put into this line of work is absurd. Like, think about like just, how, yeah, sure, you've done a bunch of CSGO events, right? But if you don't remain invested in CSGO and constantly paying attention to every little detail and every little thing that's going on, you're not going to know. Like, what's, And you won't be able to call the game at a high level, right? Like, for right now, a good example, like, I'm doing Fortnite, and this is probably one of the most difficult games I've ever covered in my entire life because there is no, like, like I, I was on the Global Offensive Reddit, and I or saw three different articles of interviews that had transpired with like nothing on complexity with uh who forgot who it was it was like something with flusha um something with nico right like i i had read these articles and i was like wow this is like fantastic information that does not exist in fortnite that is not there at all all the information that you're getting is from like twitch clips on a subreddit and even then that's not like like actual information so because of that there's no content that's circling around it so there's no continued development of the industry that's building up without with within and then also around it that people can then reflect on the teams and everyone are trying to figure out how to profit but no one really knows how to do that right now teams don't want or players don't want their their uh prize winnings to be taken away from them by the team so that's a whole different can of worms and then you have event organizers that are trying to make money off of these events that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're trying to sell to sponsors, but the same sponsors are the ones that keep on knocking and they're not providing any more money. So there's like a really big issue here. And I think we, we're, we're all just trying to like figure it out. We're all just trying to make sense of it. And it's, it's, it's really hard. And I, I don't envy any of those people because I have to figure that crap out. But I'm just trying to figure out my stuff. And for me, when, you know, like I'm working an event and you know a company doesn't want to give me like or company doesn't want to like work with me rate wise or whatever then i'm just like all right well 
you know, onward to the next one, right? I gotta, I gotta do this. But then, if you don't take that event, then you know, maybe you get backlash from the community. Maybe the TO doesn't want to work with you anymore. Like, oh, dude, it's like there's so many like, there's so many holes, like pit holes. So I know it sounds like it's all doom and gloom, right? Like I, I at least from my perspective, but I feel like it is important to talk about all these things because every single thing impacts everything else. Whether it's the camera people that get hired, the production assistants that get hired, the 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 tournament admins, the observers, the talent, the players, the TO, everything. It's it's all connected. And everyone's like has to ask some hard questions right now because we all need to figure out how the hell we we push this forward, right? It's not just sunshine and rainbows. Yes, it's very difficult because it's it, it goes very, very deep into like the very fundamentals when it comes to how how you make money from stuff. And um, it's it's. It, I mean, every model is is around advertising. It's around free content yeah. that leads to to advertising, and then you have this old ad block issue again, like we were talking about this earlier. And what, one thing I have a lot of respect for um, for Sam Harris. I don't know if you ever listened to his podcast, actually. Can't but say um, one thing that he does is is that uh, in like the first like eight minutes of his podcast, which is it's usually kind of an important time, like the first like 10, 30 seconds, you want to grab the grab the viewer, you want to engage them, yeah. you want to give them some expectations as to like the value they'll get from from investing in, in this time and and this, the discussion that will follow. And he spends that time just basically saying like, look, we have this problem, this, and this problem is the fact that we have like these these we've, we've have weirdly misplaced our values in insofar as like what we think is worth paying for because. When it comes to like you know a podcast, you know people expect it to be completely free, and that's 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 the way it is. Podcasts are free. Like I mean, maybe you you know most podcasts, you know people will say, oh, you know if you, if you want to support it, you can donate some money and, and this and the other subscription models like that. But but the content is free. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get the content because the general expectation is for it to be free, so no one's just going to pay for it. So and then the point that he he makes or like one of the uh, 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 things that really struck me when I first heard it is he said that you know, people are very happy to pay five dollars for that that Starbucks in the morning, but if you were to pay like five bucks for a podcast where maybe it's a discussion which is going to raise some very profound ideas and could inspire you in some ways or give you some insights or help you to learn and grow, like yeah. th these these are like very I think profound ideas and things that that should be valued by all people. And I think, ah, oh, I think that's one of the reasons why I think this medium has taken off is because, is because it's like, I mean, it really goes back to the basics, uh, you know, for the human race is if we, we tell stories, you know, we, 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 yeah. talk, we talk, you know, and that's, and the, the kind of listening format is, is very, very engaging, I think for people and you can do it anywhere. So, but the point is that, Again, people are resistant. Like we have, there is something that's happened. I don't know. I don't know how deep it goes. In, insofar as you know, is it, you know, were the seeds first planted when we really started to understand advertising and marketing in the 1920s and 30s? Like, does it really go back that far? Yeah. Um, or like, where is it? But that model is seemingly at this point problematic when you do have things like adblock, and as you said, when you when you have this issue where all content is available everywhere and it's all kind of free and and. So it creates this issue where if all that content is kind of free, uh, you know, and you, it's difficult to make money off of it, it's also difficult to get high quality content at the same time. Yeah, and and, and just to also say too, like, I understand AdBlocks' existence. It's not it's not the reason that like the twelve year old who hates commercials and Fortnite videos 
that's not the reason why Adblock was created. Adblock was created because in like the early 2000s, when all this stuff started to really start to build and online advertising became a thing, you had a lot of issues with pop-ups, with, with ads that were just so aggressive that they were like taking over your whole screen. There was no way for you to like move past it to go see the content. Maybe it was playing audio without you re requesting it. Like that is where ad blocks like Genesis came from, at least for me, when I remember it back in the day, right? Like you would get these like, you know, your computer would, because I mean, everything was just infested back then. You were getting so many like cookies or just things that were like loading into your, your cache that was like, ruining your entire online experience so adblock was created as a way to just be like okay those shitty ads we're gonna get rid of because like that's not fair to you but then somewhere along the way it just became all ads are just now gonna be removed but they're like ad advertising isn't like a bad thing right if i'm scrolling through uh you know like a website or something like advertising isn't the end of the world to me I have no problem like looking at it. I, one that I do, I do kind of sort of like is like Axios's uh, method behind it. Axios, when you go to their website, you catch their news, but as you scroll, they made the articles a part of the advertising. So it's a different kind of way of advertising, allowing the advertisers to tell a story rather than you know just being like, boom, this is an ad, ten percent off this product, buy now. Like it, it, it's so like. Maybe it limits their scope on like what they can actually obtain for advertising, but at the very least, it is different enough that like I can elect to like check out this content. Uh, quickly on that note, because I think we have to go down for Korean barbecue pretty much now. Oh, I just shit, realized. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, so we'll, we'll continue this one. So later, gonna, I'm going to hit the pause button, and we'll actually have to. If, if you want to continue later, we'll, we can jump off on the advertising note. I actually do think there's a really good uh, takeaway and, and a moral and, and some messages to be delivered. Yeah. So let's we do it when that. we come back. All right, so Screw <laughs> it. press the pause one okay, round three yeah part three so last thing you're talking about pretty sure we just had korean barbecue we did what oh. a what a break right like so we started off in a bar we had we had like a drink got kicked out came up here got into some crazy like insightful conversation then we went gorged ourselves on korean barbecue and we're back we we're back, did that yeah. that's yeah. incredible Dude, you were, you were going into advertising pretty hardcore. Like you were talking about, you, you, you talked about a service which you like and how they do the advertising. And that's kind of where we left it off. Yeah, um, well, we because we did continue the conversation outside and I think it's important to bring the listener back into the the topic at hand, right? Because yeah, yeah. one of the things that we, we were discussing was in, in regards to advertising is that essentially like there's this incredible service that is being uh, provided by these tournament organizers, ESL, MLG, E-League, blah, 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 et cetera. And these incredible things are being offered, but they're being offered for free. They're just giving it to the audience for free. Whereas like you, you want to watch the NFL, right? Like, or you want to watch some games, you have to have certain stations, or maybe you need to have Red Zone, or, you know, or, or Premier League, maybe you need to have BBC, because um, BBC is not uh, free TV, right? Or is, or is ITV free TV? 
I don't remember. So, yeah, so ITV is free. Uh, BBC is is, is, is paid. free. I yeah, think. Sky or Sky. Yeah, Sky. Maybe just yeah. put Sky Sports it's, as a yeah. as a uh, as an example, right? So Sky, you have to pay for, right? So these incredible things are being provided, right? And we're just these tos are essentially putting it on a platform completely free, but it's because, for lack of a better term, they have no choice but to do that because advertising is like the way that they have to try and recoup money. But the problem is, is that, and, and you mentioned this before in the, in the elevator. And I just think it's like a really great, like perspective. It's like, apparently the community views making money a bad thing, but it's like without revenue, this stuff doesn't exist. Esports goes away tomorrow. So if there's no one actually making money, we don't get this content, but yet for some reason in our community, making money is like the devil. It's the worst thing that you could possibly do. How does that make any any reasonable sense? I, I think it's like this. I think it's this like weird moral thing, um, whereby we're sort of grown up to think that you're supposed to be you're supposed to be you put everyone else in front of yourself, be very very self sacrificing. Which, which is um, very idealistic. Yeah, it's and, fine and if you're going to help someone move to their new apartment. If you're going to run a business. <laughs> yeah. Well, even then, for example, like that's, that's your investment in your friendship. That's, you know, that friendship yeah, with that person. Sure. So it's, it, it kind of like it comes back to you in, in a way. Um, and, but, and I think if you have anything that's like truly just, just self-sacrificing completely, I think that that's actually kind of bad in that way because, because as you say, like then you get into this, this point when like if you follow the logic of, as you said, like the expectation that everything is just free. Yeah. Like where, like where does that go? If you just keep following it and following it and following it, eventually it gets to a place where nothing's sustainable. Like yeah. nothing is sustainable and everyone just loses out. Like, you know, there's no, no winners there. And that kind of sucks. It, it has, it has, you know, everything innovation. It hurts um, people's ability to make a living from pretty much anything. And yeah. it hurts the consumers then as well. So, everyone's and, just, and, everyone's, and you can make this argument, right? That maybe like, you know, if the advertisers came in and partnered with the events, like that would be um, acceptable, right? And in some instances, it is. Like a really good example is like the Rocket League community. Because the Rocket League community, uh, when we started RLCS when I was at Twitch, um, and then sales started to bring in some some clients to like look at it. One of the clients that they brought in was um, was uh, Mobile Oil. Mobile One or Mobile One Oil Sport. It's basically an oil brand, right? And they brought this company in. And because this company supported Rocket League, this community was like, we're going to support you. So they were buying mobile oil because they wanted to support uh, this brand or or cup noodles or Cheez-Its or whatever. Like they were like, okay, we were buying this stuff because we're supporting this brand. Like they're supporting our love. So we're doing that. But not all communities are like that. And even then... Was that enough to like justify the, you know, the the investment that they made, um, or was it purely just to get eyeballs? And I think that's the other thing as well. It's like, what does the advertising mean? Is it supposed to be a means to bring people back to a website or to some kind of like purchasing loop, or is is it merely just to get the product out there? Like th- those are also the other things that you you, you know you have to consider because there's marketing for the sake of just saying, hey guys, we exist, uh, which is kind of like what Omen by HP does, 
Um, even like what, what T-Mobile does to an, to an extent where they're just like, look, we're here. We're supporting this thing, right? And then they're kind of hoping that there's like a trickle effect or, you know, you, you have like other companies that are coming. Because I, I think that like that's what mobile was trying to do with RLCS was like sponsor and just say, hey, we're in esports now, right? So that's that. You know, use our oil if you can, if you'd like to. Here it is. And then the Rocket League community responded in turn. But not all communities are, are, are like that. I wonder, like, I, I think that's also the question that needs to be asked. But even then, though, it feels like it is a burden to the viewer that these advertisers exist. Like, uh, I don't know how directly involved you were with this one, but the Venom situation that happened with the Venom movie and he interrupted. I don't remember what event that was. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't me. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, but do you remember that event though? Like, no, you, have, I, you have to remind me. Uh, so basically it was a CSGO tournament and uh, okay. they had the Venom movie and they were advertising the Venom movie and it interrupted a death segment. Like Venom interrupted a death segment and Machine right, had to act right, like right. all surprised that Venom was like getting in and everyone hated it. Like... It was it was pretty hilarious. Like you got to look it up. It, it was it was really really funny, um, and everyone was like, "That was like the worst product. That that's terrible." Like right in the middle of the show, like that's just annoying. And it's like, you know, they're trying something different, man. Like they're just trying to like get people to talk about the movie. That's all it is. Nothing else. Like running a running a commercial, running a a trailer and a logo is one thing, but like integrating into it is is I think a better road to take. But yet for some reason, it just feels like people just are allergic to that. Like they just do not want it whatsoever. It's interesting it's too because, like, I mean, no one kind of likes advertising in ways. It's like it's like you know. What was a good uh, you know, comparison or analogies? It's it's like you know, someone coming up to you when you're having having a nice dinner or something like that. Like that 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 guy that you're an acquaintance with, but he thinks you're better friends than you actually are. And then he sits <laughs> down and starts like talking to you, and you but you can't find like a good way to like okay, really. I'm sorry, really, I did that last time. I didn't really mean to. <laughs> and, and and that's kind of like what advertising is, isn't it? It's like sometimes you know it might be a somewhat okay, like an okay idea or an okay time, but you just don't want to feel like something is imposing on you in that moment. Yeah. And if you and like that's somehow tainting your otherwise really nice experience. Everything else is great, and then there's something. Like, but then what else are they supposed ideas. to do? What else? Yeah. Right? If 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 you're not responding to the video that's being run in the in, during the stream, and you're not responding to the logo that's being there, then try integrating. And if you're not responding to that, then at what point do the advertisers just say, "Well, screw it"? Like clearly, this market doesn't give a crap about what we provide. That's like another really interesting question as well because. The, the idea of you know what the market is is, is super important like I, I actually throw massive props to Instagram because I like Instagram's advert like I actually like like what are the what, however they do the targeted advertisement yeah, works really, really well good. for me because because like I always like see stuff I'm like I think that's cool yeah like, and and there's a lot of stuff where, like, where I have actually bought through directly because I've seen an ad really? on Instagram yeah and I'm like that's a cool I, I think that product's pretty cool or you know or something similar or, or something where I'm just like I think that's kind of cool and it's a really interesting idea because some however they've managed to target that advertising they obviously understand to some extent you know either it's a combination of my browsing habits my in, my interests and all that and and it reminds you of like what advertising kind of really is and I think you were mentioning that before where it's it's kind of it's about assessing the values of of the that person or that market and then for example if it, if it is um let's say it's a huge tournament or, or you know you, you know say uh, like the major or something the major is like a very 
precious special moment for a csgo fan it's mm-hmm. it's a huge part of your year and those moments will be immortalized that experience will be immortalized um for, for a very long time of how, you know, in your memory and and the feeling the emotions of it and so any brand that you see sort of just there with it kind of by association becomes part of that experience part of, of that moment of your life and, and and maybe you know part, part of your lifestyle um by by the association with csgo mm. so so getting that right is is pretty difficult i think especially when we have such a wide market like you know the market is kind of global which is something that um, which is, is also another problem in itself yeah. right because like people can't like companies just can't market to europe because there's just no target in europe so like doesn't really matter Right, that it's in Europe. I think, like, harkening back to RLCS, I I specifically remember. um, Oh my God, I'm trying to like there. I remember it was a not not the company, but I remember there was a company that for a segment we had. uh, I think it was Geico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Geico. So Geico uh, sponsored a segment in Rocket League, but it was only in NA. They couldn't do EU. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes EU had better games in NA. So, but they weren't getting that exposure. So, yeah, you're right. Global. It's it's how do you? It's very difficult to like solve that. Is it's it's quite a a, um, a predicament that we're, we're in at the moment because as like f- let's let's run this idea. I had this idea when you were talking earlier. Um, you know, you used to work at Twitch, so you might have even even better insight into how this question question could work. But what if you know Twitch for for use of their service? What if you know, like like a Netflix. I mean, you know, it's not all that different. It's it's just a you know a centralized content um, for, for gaming. Why not yeah. Twitch? Just say if you want to use Twitch, you have to you have to pay some pay some money, pay a subscription. Yeah, I mean, it, does it make sense in concept? Yeah, it does because there's hundreds upon hundreds of millions of hours being consumed of of content on Twitch, even right now as we speak. Um, it's a behemoth, but this kind of goes back to what I was, what we were talking about before, where like, if you go to a, a kid and, and I think that's the other thing too, right? Like to, to bear in mind. So it, it wouldn't work for a Twitch, for a platform like Twitch, for the reason that your audience is younger. It skews younger. Um, yeah, everyone says the 16 to 24, whatever demographic, but the reality is that there are a lot of kids watching this platform, for better or worse. <laughs> um, and if you were to do that, you're essentially locking them out. Because like, mom gets value out of Netflix because she can watch Netflix. So dad can watch Netflix. But is mom really going to watch Twitch? I don't think so, right? Uh, and then at that point, there's so much competition in this space that like, if Twitch were to do something like that, like a mixer would come in and say like we're not going to do that and and then this kind of goes into the what we're talking about with talent with undercutting right then they're going to come in and be like we don't do that come to us and that and that's kind of like what did happen uh for a little while with platforms like mixer i like the mixer guys are great and know them all a lot of them are former ex twitch people as well uh but the reality was like they needed to build a platform so what did they do they went to all the smaller streamers and they were like Twitch doesn't care about you. Come to us. And and some of them did. Uh maybe not in those words exactly, but you know, for lack of a better phrase, that's that's what they that's what happened. And then, you know, that kind of blossomed and then Mixer kind of sits in its in its area within the race, uh, the streaming race. And then YouTube had like the we have all the big YouTubers. This is where all the this is where video game content lives, blah, 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 blah. 
So someone else is going to pick up that slack and then and then it's going to just lead to Twitch's eventual crumble because if you're like is the quality of content like that good then also how do you how do you deal with uh payouts how do you deal with subscriptions like are you further going to force a subscription on or you force a subscription onto the average user what about like the broadcaster do they have sub a, a subscription for the emotes like is that a thing or is it a one-time purchase like does that count so there's a lot of like question marks that would we need to be like addressed and i i just don't know if that is like the answer uh advertisers will not like it and i think this also kind of reflects on the hulu versus netflix approach right i don't know how familiar you are with hulu I'm assuming since you live here now, you've been using it, right? Because you don't have it in the UK. I, I have not used it yet, but but I'm, I'm aware. Okay, of it, so yeah. you're familiar with yeah. it. So Hulu has commercials, right? Hulu has commercials, and but yet you're paying a subscription for this, whereas Netflix doesn't have commercials. But who do you keep hearing about in the news being hundreds of millions of dollars in debt? It's Netflix, because Netflix is just struggling to be able to like they're they're everything subscribers and then they're making original content whereas hulu has subscribers they have advertising and they have original content it's like jesus how are you going to compete with that but yet netflix is doing a really good job because they've set like the gold standard so they're kind of like the the youtube in this situation right like they are like the thing that everyone wants to be even though hulu for an for the company is better but it's also because people go to netflix because it has no advertising. So they're okay paying the subscription if it has no advertising. It's it's so weird because they're also fine paying the subscription for Hulu, but it's also like because people recognize that Hulu offers something different. Like Hulu offers the TV shows the same day, whereas Netflix is about the movies and then the original content. So like where Hulu survives is that like it it ha it serves a different brand rather than just being a movie platform. Whereas I think if Hulu was a movie platform with commercial breaks in between, people would hate it. So again, it it's like these different kinds of of mediums and 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 the different variables that all impact them. For you for Twitch to be able to do that, I think it would it would just ruin them because there is nothing unique about the content on twitch in comparison to the content on youtube it's the same thing picture and picture gameplay i mean that's a whole topic in itself that just hasn't really evolved so uh but then as far as esports is concerned it's like i had mentioned it like mlg inadvertently was the test subject for what could have been one of the defining moments of of esports right does a pay-per-view model work and it turns out it didn't i mean they made money but it wasn't like they never did it again. That backlash was crazy. I remember that. Back yeah, in the me day. too. I, I pay for a pass. I was happy though. I, I I remember even back at that point, I was like yeah. quite stingy with my money. But I was like, you know what? At, at I, this you point, love Starcraft. Like, I, yeah, I love Starcraft, and and I have to see these games live. Like I have to see these games live. That that's just you know what I thought. Well, my like my friends were were gonna do it because we'd been watching those games together, and I was and I just didn't want to miss out. And the content was good. It was like really good content. Yeah, it was worth it. But then, you know. Think about Counter-Strike, right? Like, it worked back then in StarCraft because how often did you see the Koreans and the Western players go up against each other? But then in Counter-Strike, you're seeing these players play against each other pretty much every week at this point. So it doesn't work in Counter-Strike because there is just so much going on. It's a, it's a good thing, and it's a good thing it's happening, but it's a bad thing for, like, sustainability in the long term and these salaries are only going to go up 
and for the players because you know their time their value someone's going to make a better offer blah 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 it, and and yeah i mean you mentioned like a bubble and i think that there is a bubble right there is a bubble it will burst it will hurt all of us um and i think that's when you will see the the real ones who who just are in esports because they love esports just stick around and continue to do it versus those who are really just in it for the quick buck and i hate it because this sounds like such a morbid topic man. <laughs> yeah dude this is like we have to do like a a positive episode at yeah some we point, gotta but... <laughs> have, we gotta have the bad ending and the good ending you yeah, know like yeah. that's what we need because yeah i mean but it's not like a bad thing to talk about and i think people should talk about it i mean yeah I, sure. i'm not i don't have the answer just just the reality of it all right i don't have the answer uh i'm not paid enough to have the answer uh i'm not smart enough to have the answer but uh, objectively speaking like seeing how the industry is kind of shaped up it's like huh maybe someone should start asking these questions and maybe we collectively should start finding some answers because it's going to be necessary eventually yeah yeah i I completely agree again i always always feel like when we talk about these topics and things feel like oh god i don't know which you know quite which way this is going to go it doesn't seem like it's going in a good direction it's because obviously you want people to be, be making money that's that's really important if all the businesses yeah. that, you know behind the infrastructure are making money but at the same time we know that at least esports in of itself should be somewhat of a constant for the foreseeable future it's just we know that this we know the gaming medium is 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 the the biggest grossing entertainment medium that yeah. exists the esports is is the natural um like brother or cousin or whatever you want to call it yep, uh, of, yep, the, yep. of that so so it's not gonna go anywhere well yeah so there, the there are two there i mentioned this there are two different kinds of esports there's esports as a business and then there's esports as a marketing tool and esports as a marketing tool is never gonna go away so it sounds like a rocket league or something like that yeah in sense, like in a sense like a like a halo championship series rocket league um you know, uh, Rainbow Six Pro League, right? Like those are those are games that are not going to go away, right? Because there will be a need to sell get copies of the games. There will be a need to sell skins and whatever the case they're going to be selling, right? Like you know, and and that is essentially like what those events exist for. And and when I say also just to be very clear as well, when I say marketing. I don't necessarily mean marketing to the point where they're trying to sell you something. I know I just said like sell skins and stuff, but I think about Halo is a really good example. 343 runs these events not because they're looking to sell more copies of Halo 5 or Master Chief Collection. Master Chief Collection is four years old. Halo 5 is three years old. There is no like Halo 5, like new Halo, Halo 6, Halo Infinite. We don't know when Halo Infinite's coming out. So there's no marketing being done for Halo Infinite. This is strictly being done to just continue to cultivate growth, positivity, and activity within the community. And that's why they operate their events. And 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 you know, Gears of War, same thing there, right? Uh cultivating that kind of culture and then keeping that going within the community until there's like a new opportunity for them to do that. Uh, so it's like community management more even than just esports in itself. Uh, but that's not a bad thing, right? But if three four three also wanted to turn around and sell like some, you know, content related to uh, HCS or 
or whatever on their Master Chief collection, yeah, I'll probably support it and buy it, right? So if they wanted to, they could, but that's not the purpose of it. For some, though, it's about selling copies of the game or getting people excited. I would use Rainbow Six as an example, whereas Rainbow Six started off as a very, very just poor game and then developed over time to this like incredible title because Ubisoft put endless amounts of work into it. And then now they use like their six invitationals or their big major events. They'll use those to like show a, a new operator or a new map or a new new like mode or something like that. And that's like marketing, right? Straight up marketing and maintaining the interest in the community while also doing a little bit of that community management as well. Uh, but then you have esports as a business, and esports as a business is Overwatch League, League of Legends Championship Series, or LEC, LCS, LCK, um, EPL, even uh, ECS. Like these are businesses that are they're trying to like profit, and I think more so than anything else, they're the ones that are going to feel this bubble a lot more than say like the rainbow sixes of the world um but what will be very weird is like because the majors are major system will never go away right uh i think because valve just i mean what is it to them right they're making millions as it is so they could just pump a million dollars into a tournament and then let esl or face it or whomever um run it and you know they'll be they'll be perfectly fine but I just feel like when you talk about these businesses that center around it, they just need to be more careful, like what the expectations are. Team owners as well all need to be careful. You can't, you just can't go too far up that, too far down, I should say, that rabbit hole. And and a lot of people are just sailing, just soaring right down it. It's very dangerous. It's kind of crazy because you know so many people, players, uh, for example, and and and. Uh, I guess that people that are involved at the high levels and some of these teams are going to be used to like being being paid pretty well. And if there is like a big crash, I, I kind of fear for the many people that sort of... Because the way people tend to live is that if you make more money, then your living standard goes up, you get a nicer yeah. apartment, and you, you, know, you have a more expensive car, and so on and so forth. So I'm just like kind of worried if that money does disappear at some point, you know, how that will impact the lives of, of those kinds of people. And, and none the, of them are financial managers. Like a lot yeah. of these players, like, I don't know if any CSGO player has a financial manager. I've been wondering that as well. I actually don't have, have any information on that. I was, I was having a conversation recently with someone because, you know, the the expectation is when you look at Australia, you're like, this is a team that makes, is one of the teams that makes by far the most money in Counter-Strike because they're so successful. Surely they have, financial man- management in some respect yeah. Right? yeah surely each player is looked after in that way surely 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 surely, <laughs> surely right but you, <laughs> I don't you're know. That, like surely and and yeah. i think that you know surely they don't like i don't think i don't think that they do and uh in some instances maybe you know they, they've already spent all the money right like i mean who knows i see a lot of these uh overwatch uh players and you know they're rolling out there with their freaking off-white you know AF1s or their, uh, or no, no, sorry, not AF1s. Uh, what is it? Air Jordan ones, right? Like, you know, off the, basically they're rolling with some hefty, hefty gear. And you know that they spent a lot of money on that. And it's like, well, are they saving their money? Like, you know, and th- these are like not sexy 
topics. It's just very blunt. Like this is not a sexy topic. This isn't like something where you you, you advertise a podcast. And you're like, today we're going to talk about managing your money, and it's like, <laughs> no, man, tell me about the latest, you know, and greatest Counter Strike tournament or something like that. But like, these are serious conversations. Conversations that people simply just don't have because they're not appealing. Uh, mental health, another huge issue that just oh, is yeah. something that is simply not covered. And I mean, dear Lord, like that is a topic that needs to be covered, especially in gaming, because a lot of these people like we all suffer from it. Right. Uh, but it's not talked about at all. And I just there's like a lot of a lot of like issues that exist out there. And I'm hoping that like eventually we can get to that point where we have like these this open and honest dialogue on it. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. I, the mental health thing is. It's a re- really big one. I think. I think one of the 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 you know gaming is a blessing and a curse uh, for you know f- for those of us who have any any issues in that regards uh, to varying ex- extents because it serves as as a, a safe space and a, and a, an escape from it. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily fix those things. Yeah. But it kind of can allow you to kind of function a bit more normally uh, despite that. So, and then that can go on for many years unchecked, whatever it may be. And and that's it's kind of the same thing. Uh, the same way with more or less anything you know it always starts off as something small that you can just easily shoulder that and it's like oh it's fine i can easily adapt and deal with that then eventually after you know some years it builds and builds and builds and then yep. then there's a then you, there's a big problem and you're like oh shit gotta gotta like deal with this now or pay attention to this now and hopefully whatever it is that's not too late whether that yeah. is physical health or, or mental health i think they're both the same in that respect so and that's that's another thing actually that uh something that's that um we don't really talk to enough about it as well or find ways to integrate uh, well enough into the awareness is the you know the, the the good 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 and healthy like living habits so that you you know you're not horribly affecting your body when you're, you're at a period when you know you're young and you can get the most out of your body and set yourself up for the future in the best way with your with your body and, and your health and avoid you know, it's preventative care, you know, effectively, yeah. mentally and physically. So these are really, really important things. And I don't know how necessarily what is the best way to make them sexy or to to integrate them into the culture. But but hopefully, you know, I mean, the, I, I suppose it, it. what I would say with that is maybe it's it's like anything and it's, it's all about leadership because it's you, creating a culture always starts with leadership. And, and you know, we have to look to to, to the leadership in, in the community to, to set to set the tone there, you know, the people who have the most influence. That's another topic which is interesting. The, the, the people that have the most impact on culture and, and leadership aren't necessarily the best leaders, leaders because yeah. they're really young people who are getting super famous on social media because they're famous Twitch streamers or, or whatever it might be that yep. blows yep. up. And they aren't people that have those things figured out themselves yet, um, because because they're so young. So, so we, have we, have kind of, of we have a lot crisis. of the blind leading the blind. Often. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, and and it's very scary, um, you know, because not to say like a blind person can't navigate their way around something, but it's like, hey, you know, like it's it's rough, right? And uh, maybe that takes the uh, analogy a little too uh, literal, but I think that. You know, it, it is challenging. It's challenging for these kids. They're kids. Like we have to, we have to remember this from time to time. Like even even for you and I, right? Like we're thirty, but like, have we really lived like thirty years on this earth? Like, what does that do, right? Like that's that's nothing. That's uh, small how many, how many years in Azeroth? You know? Yeah, how many, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. For me, it would be Vanadiel. So, yeah, like. 
but but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's just so there's so much, and we're all we're we are all literally just trying to figure it out. And there is no playbook for any of this. We, I mean, every day, and and I and I'm seeing it more and more every day. It's like someone asking, "How did you do this? How did you get into this? How how did how did you make this into a career? I want to make this into a career. What did I do?" And we mentioned this at the Curry and BBQ that our listeners, unfortunately, didn't have the opportunity to attend with us. Uh, <laughs> but could have used the help. We got in. Yeah, we got into this field not because we had this idea that we were going to make money. I was never even like, man, that wasn't even in my mind. Like when I got paid for that MLG Providence COD Black Ops gig I did, the first one, I got paid only because the guy that they were supposed to bring out was going to get paid. So I got his paycheck. And like I was blown away by it. But I didn't make any money casting for years after that right like then i would do like a like an mlg gig or, or something like that and then you know, i get paid a little bit right like that'd be really nice but i just was making nothing and it wasn't until i was offered the job with ipl and ign that i finally said okay i'm gonna take this and turn this into a career but i had worked for free for so long sometimes paying my own flights uh them only covering hotels but i only did that because i enjoyed it and it was just fun for me because if i if i had to focus on my job day in and day out i was going to lose my damn mind so that's why i was so invested in this other thing because it was like i needed that separation a lot of people nowadays are coming into esports and they're like, well, how, how do I how do I become a commentator like you? And it's like, dude, I can't tell you. I honestly cannot tell you. I was a competitive player in Call of Duty. I quit when my teammate Embos claimed he broke his legs and couldn't make his flight, even though he never did. Uh, I quit because I realized I couldn't continue to play a game and compete alongside 16-year-olds anymore, not with a full-time job and a marriage. <laughs> I was randomly offered to commentate in uncharted uh, two or no, or an Uncharted three free for all tournament at MLG Providence for like fifty dollars, uh, because I just so happened to know the game and Providence was a train ride away and they would like cover my train, which was, or my bus, which was nine dollars, right? <laughs> then this guy who was supposed to commentate this tournament didn't show up because his job wouldn't give him the time off. Then they offered me the Call of Duty gig, and then from there I ended up casting. How am I supposed to like? <laughs> how am I supposed to write like a like a how-to manual on how to do this crap? Like I didn't, I had no freaking idea. And even then, I didn't do it because I was like trying to make money or anything. I was just doing it because I was like, screw it, man. You know, like this is I, I love this community. This is how I want to continue to be engaged. So, eh, whatever, right? I'll just make this work, and and then that's that. What are you supposed to tell someone like that? Yeah, it's it's a fun one because I feel like there's there's two sides. There's two sides of it. There's there's the there's the guy that's already kind of doing it, and and you're just kind of like trying to assist them on their path by directing them through, uh, a little bit better, and they, and they kind of already have step one. I think step one is where people struggle the most, and and it's it's that understand like, I mean, you displayed it with what you're talking about. It's, it's about passion. It's about having a passion for something and not expecting anything from it, and just just doing it because you're passionate about it, and just seeing where it leads. And it, it, that's the thing I think life is about finding something that you're passionate about enough 
to just want to weather really hard work because the way I look at human beings is that we have we generally we we always will try to take the path of least resistance. If, yeah. you, want to, if you want to get all kind of um, philosophical, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to take it from like an evolutionary perspective, pretty much the job of everything is to like the conservation of energy. That's that's like survival one hundred and one as far as evolution is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so I think that our brains do this as well. Like we we just everything is about taking the easiest path. So to me. A, a good guidance as to what is worthwhile in your life as you as you grow is to find the things that are worth that that you don't even think about where the resistance is you just want to go and do it even if it's hard yeah because that that tells yeah. you that you're, you're willing to go past that evolutionary imperative to actually go and <laughs> go and get out there and do something oh, and that's you're so right that's it, where your identity could could be found people people don't realize this and 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 yes there is like certainly a path of least resistance and i think that is exactly why i see and hear and and just i get so many people who are just like i want your job like i have friends of mine from elementary school that uh were like found me on facebook and you know they knew that I like video games, and I knew that they like video games. And you know, at least like a couple of them had messaged me, and they're like, "Hey, man, I really love, I really love video games. I want to do what you do. How do I do that? Because I really can't stand my job right now." And 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 once I read that, I'm like, "Well, for one, can't help you because there's there is no like, all you have to do is just take the key to the magic cave and turn the lock, <laughs> and boom, you're an esports commentator. Like, don't work like that." Uh, and, and then you're doing it because like you you view it as you view what I do as easy, right? Because in, in your mind, it is easy and it is like a, a simple task talking about video games. And, you know, I guess to an extent I could, you, you can make the argument. Yeah. What we do is easy, but it's not easy in the sense that it, it's like simple work. It's easy in that for us it just makes sense because we love it. So it's easy for us to just be like, yeah, I want to talk about this video game for four hours a day, five, 10 hours a day, even because I just enjoy it. So it's simple. But if you really break it down, like the task of all of this is, is like insanely challenging. Uh, even for myself, almost every week I'm working with a new production company that operates their show in a completely different way. I have to coordinate if I if I'm hosting the tournament, I have to coordinate like what that conversation looks like with the desk. I also then need to coordinate the conversation with production. Does production give me the tools to be able to do that? No. So now I need to figure out ways on how to coordinate with production without the tools that I have. Meanwhile, I'm like trying to like bob and weave the show together. Uh, get these get these sponsor callouts in there. Get the advertising callouts in there. Uh, watch the games. Take all that stuff in. Convey the story and entertain the audience. Now everyone's probably like, "Yeah, dude, that's that's freaking easy." All right, then go ahead and try it. Right? Read or run a show. Let me know how you, how you do it. Read or run a show with absolutely zero context whatsoever. Guarantee you won't be able to figure it out. Right? Um, you know, and 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 I think it's just. It's like things like that just really blow my mind away because everyone just perceives the job as simple. And then you, you, everyone has like a different role, whether it's like being a stage interviewer or whether it's being a commentator or being an analyst. Like there's just, there's, there's a lot of nuance to it. But for us, it's, it's easy again, not because the job itself is easy because it's easy to just talk about something that you love with no, 
which is no filter. Like you just absolutely enjoy each and every moment of it. Um, and I mean, like, I don't really know like where, I, where I'm going with that, but it, it, it's like, I just see people tell me this all the time that like what I do is easy. And, you know, I, I mean, then when you say it out loud to someone, you're like, well, to me, I mean, as I'm saying this too, I'm like, well, it's actually, it's not hard. But then I'm like, but I've done it so many times because that's why it's not hard. So it, it's hard. It, it's even hard for me to like take a step back and like judge this, <laughs> uh, you know, subjectively. Like, I don't know. It's 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 or, a fun one to talk yeah. about because because especially when you do it as well. So when people say that, you you might actually think, oh, I actually, I actually kind of agree with that. But then, then as you say, you go through it and you're like, actually, I've learned incrementally how yeah. to do all these things over a long period of time. And, 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 and thousands of people are watching you yeah. do this, by the way. So it's not like you're sitting in a cubicle and you're doing this job and you entered something in wrong and then you're like, oh crap, I screwed up this this like uh, you know Excel doc, so I need to just go and correct this. Like, no, because now if you screwed up this, I will, I will gladly talk about one of the worst moments in my entire career, the freaking Boston Major. It was like, <laughs> I love the Boston Major. It is hands down one of my favorite events of my entire life. But had I just nailed that cloud nine line, I would have been so satisfied with myself. But instead, my flu kicked in, my voice gave out, and this thing like exists. And and I'm very nervous even about like we're doing this tomorrow before the show starts. And that line is like in the freaking package. And it's like, <laughs> I got to live this crap again. I tried. I tried so hard to course correct on it because it sucked. It was so bad. Thousands and thousands of people were just giving me shit. And then we talk about mental health. And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm reading. I'm seeing all this. I mean, let me tell you, the moment that that happened, I immediately was like, I'm done my career is over like i i went as far as i could i remember seeing you afterwards you were not happy i was so, well i wasn't happy for so many reasons because it was like i had the flu i tried to preserve my voice i did that thing in the beginning of the day the caster match i knew it was going to go bad i needed to deliver this thing something told me this was going to be like a moment in history and i just needed to nail it and some people say i nailed it Others make fun of me. I feel like I didn't nail it. I feel like I did well in some areas, but I, I could have done a lot better. I think I told you, I felt the passion. It's yeah, okay. you were like, I felt the passion. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I, I was passionate. Like, are you kidding me? It was so sick. It was such a great moment. But I can never live that down. And and that's a thing that's like out there forever. And can, can, can average person number one who says my job is easy, can that person live with that? For the rest of their life, can they live with the, like, like you bombed, like, or at least I felt like I bombed, and that's rough. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's pretty similar to the uh, the thing as a pro player where, it, but it's, it's similar but slightly different where like when you when you you have a, a moment in the match and you you really mess something up and then and then like the, the worst thing ha happens like if it gets in your head. And all of a sudden, that's going to make all the rest of your performance now suddenly awful. Yeah. So, you, so you have to like you ha you really have to learn how to like do that mental reset in the game so it doesn't affect your future performances. But for us, it's 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 similar. 
it's not quite as bad in some respects in the moment because it, like, the recovery I feel like is a little bit easier, mm-hmm. a bit more forgiving than if you're actually in a match. But at the same time, it is quite similar. I, I've always felt, and I'm, and I'm always battling with myself because I'm so hard on myself. So, so when I have a moment like that, I'm, I'm, I, I immediately just think that I'm just so bad. I'm just so bad at my yeah, job. Yeah, I'm just you know, so bad. So. <laughs> like this is it. It's over. Right. Like the the finish line is has arrived career is done this is literally like all the thoughts i had in my head and everyone's like you're crazy you're crazy and yeah sure maybe i was acting a little crazy but geez can you blame me like i just went through this thing of like like failing in my own mind to like capture this moment that was going to live forever and i feel bad for Ely because like Ely has to use that crap in a package and they're going to use it and like <laughs> To them, like they, you know, and I'll lean into it, like, because now looking back on it, I'll, I'll just be like, yeah, whatever, right? Uh, I'm just going to lean into it and, and it is what it is. But in that moment, I felt like the biggest clown in the world. The whole spotlights are on you. And I know that, like, in the grand scheme of things, no one gave a rat's ass about that moment because it's just a stage host, just introducing. But to me, that was like everything. And, uh, I never done CS before. I get the opportunity to do a freaking major. Like there are people I know that have worked in this field forever and haven't done a major. You know, and I haven't done a major since, but I don't <laughs> I don't know if it's because of that, but you know, I mean, I haven't I haven't done a major since and I don't know, it's just it's it's like rough, right? Like it, it's rough going. So but that kind of connects back, right? Like to what I said before, like can that person who claims that my job is easy, can they go out there make a complete ass of themselves in front of thousands upon thousands of people and be okay with it. Maybe, maybe not. And, and, and that's like a mental toll that I don't know if a lot of people like really, really understand, but yeah, it, I mean that, that also like touches upon the topic. I'm, I'm not sure how much time we have. No, we can keep time. going. Uh, <laughs> it touches on the topic of also, I've seen a lot of talent, um, burn themselves to a degree where they can't recover and some burn themselves to a degree where it takes a long time to recover when it comes to social media because that they struggle to handle um, yeah. you know, like negativity on social media and some people I think uh, um, the, the the late Total Biscuit you know he said that um, he he had uh, like he actually saw a, a therapist specifically because he felt compelled to to respond to people like he, he just had to do it and as soon as you start doing it, it's it, a rabbit it becomes hole. it's a rabbit hole. It's very it becomes very irrational and emotionally it's 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 quite a terror. And and I always say to people that if you if you decide to if you decide to use the metric of the public like directly as like as as a as a way to think I did a good job or a to bad job, success, yeah, yeah. then it's it's you're playing emotional roulette. Unfortunately, it, it's very important. Uh, like the, the the public feedback is important, but it should be uh, it should be on the on the side of of you and your peers. Like because in yes. reality, I think if you're if you are if you are as good as as perhaps your position suggests that you should be, if you're as much of an expert as you should be, you should be a student of that discipline, and you should be the most informed person in your own growth mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. direction. And your peers take a take a close second to that, and then the then the rest. But if you t- if you if you wanna if you wanna get those instant gratification hits because you love those those comments about people like bigging you up and stuff, well, that means you're gonna also f- feel the same emotions when people talk shit about oh, you. Oh boy, and, and I, it's gonna be the same. Thing. I dealt with that. Uh, I dealt with that big time. Um, 
where it was the worst was Overwatch Contenders Season 0. Uh, it was bad because so I had just come off of hosting at, um, I, I want to say it was L.A. Yeah, I think it was L.A. And so we had just finished Overwatch World Cup and we had about five weeks until BlizzCon. So in between those five weeks was the, um, I mean, I could be messing up the timeline here, but essentially like what had happened was I was reached out to about commentating Overwatch and I wanted to commentate Overwatch. This was right before the Overwatch League had uh, launched and I was uh, told that I would be commentating with Mr. X. Now, Mr. X had just come off of casting COD Champs. And he was doing COD, but I knew he was going to make the transition to Overwatch because he wanted to. Um, but Mr. X was going to cast with Uber. But Uber couldn't make it, unfortunately, because of his, because he had to get the Visa stuff. So they needed a replacement. So they asked me, right? And this was actually, yeah, so this was like right after World Cup. And um, I remember thinking like, all right, you know, I did a good job World Cup. I'll just, you know, it's going to be a little bumpy at first, but. I think I'll be okay. I didn't realize how how what bumpy could really be because up until this point in my career, I've never really had someone just flat out tell me I'm the worst commentator they've ever heard. And like, <laughs> it's pretty extreme. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. You sir are the worst. Oh, that was. Yeah. And so what happened was that like, Mr. X was the analyst and I was the play by play guy. And uh, I think that a lot of people, one, didn't understand me and Matt's style, where like Matt is very dry and low key, and I'm like very loud and boisterous. And because of that, I don't think they understood it, understood the approach. So everyone just thought that I was annoying Mr. X and like he was annoyed with me. So people started posting threads on Reddit like uh, Golden Boy annoys Mr. X again or Golden Boy is freaking annoying. Look at this clip. Right. Or something like that. Um, then people were like better host, terrible commentator, blah, 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 which to me was like a slap because I started as a commentator and it's like I hate hosting. I do it for games that like I I don't know that well, but I really felt like I was okay with Overwatch. And then I realized I was not okay with Overwatch. Then uh, I started casting a little bit and, you know, I was missing plays because Overwatch is such a complex game and the observing team was new and I was new. Me and Mr. X hadn't casted together in a while. So everything was just rough, right? Everything was rough. Um, and yeah, people hated it. I mean, it was like second week. I was basically just being told like, you know, I should go kill myself. Like, the, and this is the Overwatch community, mind you, which is like supposed to be Overwatch League is not an anime, right? Like, you know, it's supposed to be this kind of stuff. And I legitimately was going to quit. I was going to tell uh, Blizzard. Or actually, I did. I was just like, yeah, I think you guys should move on. Like if Uber's visas cleared like i think you should just have uber and come and have him do this and i'm done and it wasn't like Monty, christo and doa and everyone else like was like no 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 man stick with it stick with it and i was like all right one more week but i don't know if i could take this like mental beating anymore like it was depressing hopping on a plane which i already hate as it is freaking flying is the worst flying to denver which always had turbulence because of the freaking mile high city 
So it was always you know bumping in and stuff. So that already sucked. Not having my breath right, not being able to catch my breath because I'm like a mile high up and the the air is so so clean and thin. Damn you, clean air. Uh, <laughs> to then going and casting this game that I enjoyed, but like you know because of the community's hatred of me, I just started to hate myself. Um, and having to do this for five weeks was like rough. So week three, I I got there and you know I I think I did a little bit better, but then something clicked, and I started to read like some of the legitimate criticism that people were providing. And mind you, I wasn't responding to anything. I was like super just off, uh, and I think that kind of goes to what you were saying, right? About like what John was saying back in the day, like Total Biscuit, like going like having to respond to everything. Like I just couldn't because I knew that like if I did, I was going to go down this position that I just did not want to go down. I was very honest. I streamed one time and I was very honest with people because like someone had asked me in my stream like, hey, you know, you haven't really said anything about contenders. Uh, what's been like everyone's been like really mean about you. Like what's what's been going on? And I just explained myself. Right. You know, like what's what's the situation? But I put in something clicked and I just started putting in a ton of work. And then like toward the end of contenders, I hit a stride and then I was like in. I had like one epic play and then people were just like. Holy crap, what a turnaround. Like, this guy's great, blah, 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 blah. But the, it, these are like the same people that were like telling me I should kill myself and, and all this. And and then that's when I learned like not to put so much stock in in that because it it, it, it is unhealthy and it is draining. It is not good for your, your lifestyle, your day-to-day life. But season zero contenders was probably one of the hardest things I ever did in my entire life because I was just like, dealing with so much like mental anxiety and i had never been in that position before ever it's it's actually like i like that you mentioned the stream because i actually always felt like streaming was because because uh, similarly to you i i I don't really tend to uh comment that much at all uh on stuff and i tend to just like watch from afar if anything and but what I, that's and, but that's why I love the streaming because it allows me I feel like to connect to to, to the audience the people who actually do care yeah because those are the people that will come on but also at the same time people who might come on who may have those negative opinions of you I feel like they the platform makes more sense because they see you like you're there it's live it's not just I'm sending a comment out into the ether and I don't feel any you know any accountability even yeah, if you yeah. have anonymity just seeing that there is a human being there I feel like provokes a more honest discussion and and so that that always felt like a really nice uh, uh thing that's why I, like, I really like doing it as much as i can uh when i can because yeah. i feel like that connection to the fans is kind of special um so so yeah i like that you mentioned that and it, it was it, it was a big thing too because also that response got put on reddit so the same reddit that was like pretty much berating me on a on a weekly basis at this point um that same comment was put up there and you know, you had your responses and people were just like, good, he should get the hell out, screw him. And then other people were like, damn, maybe we could just chill out a little bit. Like this is what contenders was for. Cause that, and that's the other thing too, that was also like, uh, I, I, I think kind of created this whole situation too. It was like a combination of just so much crap that just combined to become one giant crap sandwich. Cause <laughs> you, you had overwatch was a game that came out of the gate swinging. It had so much hype. You casted Overwatch. Like, you know, it, it was like the, everything. Like, everyone was like, we're running Overwatch tournaments, blah, 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 blah. Then out of nowhere, boom, 
everything's gone. No more Overwatch tournaments. It's only Overwatch League. That is where all the focus was on. And then, uh, because the league wasn't ready, I guess, they started, they launched Contenders. And then they started doing Contenders as like the development program. But in Blizzard's mind, Contenders was always the development program. This was not the Overwatch League. I was never going to become the commentator for the Overwatch League. That was never going to happen. I was merely using Contenders to get further integrated into the Overwatch community, uh, continue to like work on my craft and learn the game some more. And then maybe if I do end up doing Overwatch League, awesome. I'm I'm there, right? Uh and that was that was like the whole business of it, but because the league hadn't been released yet, because there was so much going on, I think the community itself were just angry. They were just angry at how how slow things were developing, and they took it out on like the best possible subject. And I do thoroughly believe I was that person that they took it out on because there was just yeah, like I was an easy target. And all those people that were just frustrated were just like, yeah, no, screw that guy. Because that guy represents everything that's wrong, right? He comes from a different game. He's not a part of our community. He's he's not one of us and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, now I think, like, my relationship with the Overwatch community is stupendous. Uh, not because, like, they love me now or whatever, but because... I've, I, I think I've grown. I've also learned like what to value. And, you know, during that whole time, like I did respond to people, but I would be like, hey, thanks for your feedback. I'm definitely going to, you know, look into this and stuff. Um, but it wasn't really until that stream. And then and, and it wasn't even on purpose. Like I actually had no I, I What was I playing? I think I was playing like Halo or something like that. Or I, I was playing some random game. I wasn't even playing Overwatch. Uh, and then someone asked me that question. And and I answered it honestly. I, I actually I think I was playing like PUBG or something. Um, it was it was pretty funny. And and I think that you know now like looking back on it, like I'm glad that happened. You need those kinds of things because it develops you. It helps yes. you grow. Yes, yeah. If you don't get them, like if you if if I continued on my entire career with positive reinforcement and positive praise, like am I really learning? You know, like I don't know. Well, it's, it's, that's the thing, isn't it? Like it goes back to you know, the, the the evolution thing I mentioned earlier. Yeah, <laughs> where, yeah. Where it's like the like you know your, your body is like super resistant to putting on muscle mass because it increases your metabolic demand and your caloric requirement, and then now you have to get, you have to hunt more, and that means there's more risk. So you want to you want to keep that down, but but that is growth, though that is change, that it, that allows you to to do more things. The world will be more open to you. So so that's the only way to improve. Like resistance is the only way to is one of the only Commentary, ways to, to improve. Hunting, <laughs> both make sense. <laughs> it's all game. <laughs> So, so what is what is your what does your career look like then for you? Because I feel like you know you're like within the last um, year or so. Well, I suppose like six to eight months. You know, you've you've blown up massively. You've done so many new things. You've done um, so many different games, and yeah. I think you actually even um, uh, put up a little cute little infographic. Yeah, showing, my, my fun infographic. Yeah, and, and which which I think displayed that that very information, and it's it was like wow, this is this is very impressive. So you're in a you're in a great position. You've got loads of momentum. You pretty much have your like anyone would want to work with you if you if you knocked on their door. So like where like where where does your career take you now? Where would you like to direct it now? Oh boy, that's a loaded question, bro. Um, so as far as like the, I just want to say on the infographic, I think it's uh pretty funny because I did it last year and it was just like, I was at home and 
I was looking at our our numbers because I needed to send it to my tax guy. And then I had to like mark like where I went. And, you know, then I started marking like the games that I did just so I can keep track of them. And, and then I, I realized at the end, I was like, oh, wow, this is some interesting statistics. Uh, so then I turned it into like a fun little infographic. Um, and then uh, this year I was like, all right, I'm going to do it again. But then I noticed that like everyone started doing infographic. Like I saw like at least four infographics pop up this year. And I was just like, oh, crap. Everyone's going to think I'm, like, biting off of them. Like, I'm not saying I invented the infographic for casters, but, like, I just I just did it because I thought it was fun. I didn't see anyone else doing it. I, I didn't really care. Um, but I was like, yeah, screw it. So I did that infographic. And, and, again, this year as I was doing more of that, I started to also think about the future. And it is a question that pops up to, pops up in my mind quite a bit. I think that casting, hosting, yeah, game like, shows. I, I, love, I love what I do. Right. Um, I'm very, very happy in, in what I'm doing. But to kind of bring this back to this conversation of mental health uh, in recent, I would say recent weeks, recent months, I've noticed that I have become a little agitated and overburdened by some of the work that's been popping up. And when I'm in the moment and I'm doing the job, I'm like smile, sunshine and rainbows and I'm so happy. But leading up to it, I'm just like, oh, my God, I just want to be home with my dog. I just want to play games, live a normal life. I want to have my weekends. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to watch. I want to watch Punisher, you know, like I want to I want to like watch Star Trek. I want to do my thing, you know, and and I can't. Uh, yeah, sure, you could download Netflix on your phone, but who really wants to do that? <laughs> so, and the whole time I'm like, I, you know, the anxiety hits me and I start to feel like a little stressed out and a little worrisome about the whole thing. So then I started asking myself, like, what is it that I want to do? And And to be honest with you, I don't really know. But one of the things that I know that I want to do is I want to start creating stuff for myself. I spend so much time creating for other people. And yes, it's a part of my job. But the most fun I had was when I was making my little YouTube video series called The Golden Nugget, where like I talked about all the video game news that was or some of the video game news that was happening in like under 10 minutes. It was annoying to edit. It was a pain in the ass to edit, source all the the reference material and then factor that into the graphics and do all that stuff. But I had such a good time doing this. And I thought like, I kind of want to do that again. But then I counter it with like my life right now. And I, I, when the hell am I supposed to fit that in? When I'm on the plane to Mexico, when I'm flying back, to the United States when I'm in between the rehearsal and the gig, uh, when I'm going to the gym, like I'm trying to focus on my physical health because it was a point in time where I gained so much weight and I I felt like physically drained and exhausted and destroyed. So I, you know, all that kind of came into effect and then it's like, yeah, but you're going to add something else on top of all the other crap that you're doing. So, you know, I think... Career-wise, saying no to things that I don't need to do and focusing on the things that I want to do in those break times, I think are going to be 
is going to be something I need to start focusing on. I just have a really hard time saying no because I just want everyone to be happy and like kick ass and do awesome things. And if I can help, I try and help. But I think it's uh, we, we kind of touched on it earlier as well. There's always a pressure, I feel like, with this job because a lot of it is gig to gig. And although you can you can get in with certain people and and if they have a circuit or something like like you know a league or whatever, that's amazing because you, you have that consistent work. You don't have to worry about it. You yeah. can actually plan around that. You can actually kind of have a life around that. But but for those those of us that as you know the stuff that you're talking about where it's like some different tournament every weekend like just all these bits bits and pieces all over the place very difficult to plan a life around that to find balance as, as yeah. you're describing and for, for me i know that um i need i need like one of the reasons i moved to la was because because of that um it's, i mean my girlfriend lives there and and as and, and you know as we were getting more and more um uh, as we we're getting closer i was like I was already already thinking about it or uh, previous previous to her, but then I, I figured, you know what, this would be like a really good leap for my quality of life. I will be in one place more more of the time. I can have the option now better to say no to some stuff and then build my own stuff mm-hmm. at home. So I'm working at home more. Hopefully, yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it's going to pan out like that this year, but but that's that was kind of the plan initially because I think I think what you're talking about is really important like, like building stuff for yourself whilst you're building stuff for other people and and uh, speaking you know going back to again uh, one of the topics we were, we were on previously of, of you know let's say leadership and role models and people like that and uh, you actually had um, of course the pleasure to work with someone who's a great role, role model for many you know uh, Dwayne Johnson obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, again like you never know you know how it is behind the scenes, um, behind behind the camera, and so on. But he does appear to have a very genuine image, and and it is one hundred percent fact. It is true. Like uh, my my co commentator Liam, uh, he was pretty funny because he we were doing our voiceovers for some of the pickups on Titan Games in in New York. We're both from New York, so it works out really well. And uh, we were at the studio, and then he was like, "Yeah, so." do you get the question all the time, how is Dwayne Johnson as a person? And I was like, <laughs> yup, pretty much every day, practically. And he was like, yeah. And, and and you know, I was like, told him up front, I was like, I say the truth. Guy was an awesome, guy, awesome dude to work with, kind soul, helped out people, was really nice. Like, everything about him was like 100% genuine and true. Um, but then Liam was like, yeah, no, uh, for sure. Like, I say the same thing, too. But I think that even if he was kind of a douchebag, I don't think I'd say anything different. So maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm not. And But I, I was like, no. I mean, at the very least, we're telling the truth, right? Like, yes, uh, to he was awesome and uh, super inspiring and, and, and crazy. Legitimately crazy, dude. Like, we were there until 3.34 in the morning. Every day. Really? Yeah. So we shot the show from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Or 7 p.m. to around 4.30 a.m. But we were there from 5, a, 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. It was uh, because the set looked better at night. Uh, I see. <laughs> Hollywood things. Pretty, pretty big set, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and we, like, but he was there the entire time. Like, if we were there at 7, he got there at 7. If we were leaving at 4.30... He was also leaving at 4.30. Mind you, this man just came off of filming a movie with Emily Blunt, the, the, the Jungle Cruise or whatever. He had just gotten done with that and then <laughs> flies over, does this show, and wait for it. After he's done with this show, flies to London to go do Hobbs and Shaw and has been there and then went to Hawaii. And it, How? 
how, how the hell does this guy do this stuff? I can't even I can't even go to St. Louis and back without feeling like I'm dead. And this man's doing this like like every day. And so when you say like inspirational and and uh, and and motivating, like Jesus Christ, like, there's nothing more motivating and inspirational than than being around Dwayne Johnson. The dude's a unit. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. He's insane, <laughs> absolutely insane. That's that's what I always thought about when I when I looked at him because because the guy is like he's producing, he's just creating so many movies, and I feel like if you just by watching his Instagram, I, I get surprised. Even though you get to see that he's constantly doing stuff, I'm like surprised. Like, holy shit, another one. Yeah. <laughs> like, like another, another one, movie. what's happening? Like, you're still and doing he, Hobbs and Shaw? The fuck? Like, uh, we, we were done with that. Like, we, we finished uh, filming Titan Game in September. Uh, that he, I think he had two days free and, and free, quote unquote. And then he went to go do, go do Hobbs and Shaw. For all I know, they're probably going to do another movie or some ballers or, or, or I mean, he's, what, he's doing Black Adam or something like that, right? Like, he's he's got to do something. He's doing another project after this. And, um and and like I, I I respect it I I respect that hustle mentality uh it really is something that I think is like un it's it is something that in this day and age is oftentimes overlooked and undervalued but also avoided a lot of kids these days and this harkens back to what we were talking about just a second ago right or a little while ago about putting in the work to do this thing that you like um he is like the embodiment of this there is no there there are no shortcuts for this guy and meeting him kind of like just it signified that it was like clearly this man doesn't take a break because there will be a point in time where he decides to sleep and he decides to rest and he decides to say okay i'm done but he clearly knows that he has plenty more left to give and and left to do so when you ask me that question about what i do or what i what do i think the future looks like for me and it's like if i could just be an iota of the amount of just inspiration that dwayne johnson is i feel like that is an accomplishment in itself not to be like dwayne johnson but to be inspired by him i think is yeah it's it's really cool there's a lot of lessons i think that that you can take from him because as you say i mean there's no shortcuts but at the same time like human beings we're not just we there is no human being that can just work 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 and and not produce great quality like there's got to be you have to be able to find activities that ground you. You've got to be able to find ways to take a break whilst you're on the work and stuff like that. And and so when I when I look at what he does, I try to I try to figure out exactly what is it for him um, that you know where does he find the fun? Where does he find the the break the breaks within the work? Where because that's that's really what is a lot of it's about. Because I think the stuff you were talking about. Um, like that agitation. I've 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 often felt that as well. And it's it's when I feel like I can't see a break coming. I just I just don't see a moment to stop. Yeah. Like in my in the next month or two months. Like I, and that stre- that that mere thought stresses me because because usually I'll have that thought if I'm already like I need a break and there's no break coming and then it's like oh god and so how do you how do you fix that and obviously. You know, he's got the gym. You know, I don't. He, talk, he talks about tequila a lot. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, he drinks a lot of tequila. <laughs> um, I don't know if he's got these like sponsorship deals that are going on, but but uh, but yeah. So it's that like that finding that balance and also the 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 sort of like no excuses mentality, where it's not that 
you shouldn't make a complaint about something or not that there shouldn't be an excuse about something. It's instead that there should, there is a way to, to mitigate whatever that issue is. There's yeah. a way to actually, it's like the fitness thing, for example, like travel is horrible on our bodies. Like it stresses our bodies out. It pretty, like you produce way more cortisol for you know, the stress hormone, which, which is horrible for basically every, everything yeah. more or less. And, and, and we're doing that all the time. I mean, he, he's obviously doing that all the time, obviously still staying in great shape. Obviously, yes, he has all, you know, all the money in, in, you know, yeah. in the world <laughs> to, to work with, but, but at the same it's time, still a, you're still stressing yourself out. Yeah. Like he's, he's not, he's not, but he's stressing himself out, I'm sure, in different ways. And you, you bring up an interesting point. Like, yeah, I, I do oftentimes think about that. It, it is, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I, it like becomes a different mentality when I'm traveling. And I, and I try and look for familiarity in some way, shape, or form when I'm in a hotel room. And one of those is, it, and it's bad. It's like two of them. It's like Netflix, watching Netflix, uh, and like watching the shows that I watch with my wife. So like Office or Parks and Recreation or Friends or How I Met Your Mother. And then the next one is, uh, imagine if I just said porn. No. Uh, <laughs> and then the ne- it's totally not. Uh, the next one is being on my phone like being on like Twitter or Reddit because it's like, this is mine. This is my comfort space. This is it. I own this, right? No one can take this away from me. I can't leave this. This is, so I, I thought about that, right? Why Why am I on my phone all the time when I'm like traveling abroad and, and stuff? And I, I, yeah, I think it just kind of goes back to that issue of like, I'm, I need familiarity and this is a familiar thing to me. So watching Netflix on my phone when I'm going to sleep and being on my phone when I'm in the room by myself is just a good thing for me to do. But now what I'm trying to do is channel that and put that toward like the gym or something, you know, something that I think can reap results for me in the long term. I do think physical health and fitness is very important for us as commentators because you know, I'm not saying like you, you, if you want to be a big guy and and you want to live your life as a big guy, like I'm a big guy, you know, and I, I I'm fully embracing of that. Uh, I never want to be like super skinny or like you know be able to run like a marathon or something like that. But if I, I just want to be able to run from the zombies, that's all it is. Like when the zombies <laughs> come, I just want to be able to run away from them. So uh, in going to the gym and hitting the treadmill, like that's okay, right? And that's like good to like shed and share, like shed a couple pounds and that that's like a a a plus so channeling that in and and getting that finding those positive things that can impact your life when you're traveling is very important that's what he does so well um and i think he found that groove and it's or at least that's what it appears like he's found that groove of just like being able to work out and bring the iron paradise everywhere he goes which is also a concept in itself that's utterly ridiculous do you know about the iron paradise no please tell me he brings a gym everywhere he goes. How does he bring a gym? He brings a gym. Like, you know, the gym that we have in a hotel here. He just brings all of that with him in like oh. a truck. Oh. So whenever oh. you see him working out, he's working out in a tent on set that was set up for him to go and work out. <laughs> Wow, I did not realize that. Yeah. Holy shit. He, it's not he doesn't go to a hotel gym to work out. He brings his own equipment that makes, he uses makes, makes that sense. he's familiar with and that's what he does. That yeah. is 
awesome. That's yeah, so no, it's awesome, like the most dude. badass thing in the world. Did like, you get? Did you see it? No, the, I didn't. He uh, didn't. He didn't need to bring it to uh, Titan Games because we were in LA, and I think he like lives in LA uh, or something like that. So it was fine. But in proper Dwayne Johnson fashion, the guy I think drives like a Ford F one fifty or some giant pickup truck that's just like massive, but it's completely fitting for a person of his size. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just crazy. It's crazy. But a good experience. Wow. All right. Well, I guess uh, I think I'm actually running out of space on the <laughs> <laughs> on the recorder. It's like nine nine and a half minutes left. So, so I guess I guess it could be a, a good point to, yeah. to wrap up on on Iron uh, Paradise. Not bad. The Iron well, Paradise. What's, what's, uh, so, what are you gonna make? What's gonna be your Iron Par- Paradise? Like, what's your gonna gonna be your Oof. equivalent? I know I, I gave you the idea of the, the switch. You know, bringing the switch dock. Yeah. Because that, that's what that's that's a good one for me. I uh, I think I am gonna start actually. Um, I tried to bring my Xbox to places with me so I could play Halo, uh, but no, I I I think it is gonna be like the Switch because I've played the Switch so much now at this point that I'm I'm just gonna prop it in and just and just game. So I think that is that is like my thing. I bring my lap my my laptop with me everywhere, um, and uh, and yeah, and and I think I I'm I'm gonna start like making stuff, and I I think like this was in, super inspiring as well because it's like glad to know that I'm not crazy. And that like wanting to make stuff for myself. So I think this this conversation with you, Dan, was very helpful. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It is, it's really hard to start pretty much anything. Yeah. And it's always, I mean, this, this is a, not necessarily advice to you, but to, to those people listening, everyone, when they start anything is, is shit at what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much anything and everything. Unless, unless you're, you're some crazy prodigy of some description, you're going to be shit at whatever you start doing. So if you like, if you like the sound of doing something, just do it and commit to commit to just doing it and ex- and exploring that. Because if if mm-hmm. I hadn't done that with, I wouldn't actually be doing anything I'm doing right now. Because that's that exact mentality is is how how I started making content, which then led to consistency many, many other things. is king, no matter what it is. Going to the gym, be consistent. Streaming on Twitch, be consistent. Make a YouTube video, make a podcast, whatever. If you're just consistent with it, you like you. I think you'll be happier in the long run, even if it's not like the biggest thing in the world. It's just something that you own, and that and no one can take that away from you. That's very true. And also, also, if you call yourself a nerd, start acting like a nerd, okay? <laughs> because because I think, at least to me, one of the defining characteristics of a nerd. And I know this term is, you know, it it's probably means a lot of different things to many people, but but for me, for me what the, the what being a nerd is is being passionate about something and just going into details about that thing yeah. that that defy defy, you know, being a nerd doesn't have to like relate to you like being a sci-fi nerd or being a video game nerd. No, they're fitness nerds, they're sports nerds, they're being a, being a nerd like being just something, being like into something isn't bad. They're, they're, that needs to stop. That the stigma of like you know you're you're too into like your fantasy football team. It's like no man, if you like the fantasy football team, do the fantasy football team. You know like whatever. If you like it, do it. Yeah, very very important advice. And that's yeah. how you can really connect to your passions and and find out more about yourself. And that's exactly. gonna that's gonna tell you exactly where you need to go. So. On that note, it is the end of uh, this very long podcast with with Golden Boy. So thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate it, Alex, brother. this has been awesome. Yes, it's been a blast. Thanks, bud.